He didn't yeah. want to let Backstrom down. He didn't want to let OV down. If I go to Rocket Bar, I know I'm getting pretty fucked up. I think this is a good player. He's a very good, skilled player. The Hurricanes are fucking garbage. Dude, if you played the Bowie Bruins back in the day, you knew this play. What it do, DMV? It is episode 60 of Chirpin' DMV. And boys, let me start off by saying this. The bars are back. I had a hell of a weekend. Friday night, went a little bar hopping. So jumped around Arlington a bit. Don Tito's, the lot, triple T's, you name it. Spent the weekend. It felt great hitting bars. I woke up this morning, Sunday morning. We're recording Sunday night. So I woke up Sunday morning. Or no, Saturday morning. Sorry. I woke up Saturday morning. Couldn't find my sunglasses for about 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Couldn't find my wallet for 30 minutes to an hour. And it was a great feeling. So I'll kick it over to you, AB, first, because you had a hell of a weekend yourself. Yeah, um, got off work Friday. Hit it. I went up. To, actually, went up to Baltimore to get the rest of my shit because I was actually planning on staying in Baltimore for two weeks because I was quarantined from my own house. But <laughs> then plans changed up after that, so I got the rest of my shit. But I stayed. Uh, I stayed in Baltimore Friday night at Johnny's, and we didn't hit the bars or anything like that because we figured they were going to be packed as fuck anyway. So we just kind of played cornhole and uh, chilled at Johnny's and Brandon's all night. And just, you know, just a night, of, typical night of boozing. Um, then Saturday for my sister's 21st, shout out Kaylee. We had... Tammy threw a banger. Yeah, we had Backyard Olympics, which like we got through five, four or five games, but it was pretty disorganized I as always like Olympics goes as all Olympics go when you start drinking. So we don't really know who won. Um, I can see you drinking heavily and then also beating the wheels off everybody in yard games. Well, I, we went two and two. It was me and Amanda. It was, it was duos. Me and Amanda got partnered up. We're team Madagascar. Um, Oh, she'll, she'll anchor you down. No, she's good. She played well. Yeah, she's good. Um, We just, I don't know. I just, I was, I was just too drunk. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, water buddy made a trip played, to the jetty we played yard pong we played cornhole um played bocce ball i don't know there's just all the all the yard games you can fucking think of um and then yeah the later that night went to the jetty just for a quick drink and I, like we didn't even go in we just stayed on the boat we just docked the boat up and they had they served us drinks like to the boat and i was like we should do this every fucking time mm-hmm. we should just dock up the boat go in if we want to but we can like go back out on the boat and just go in and out like the entire day and just sit on the boat and enjoy the day if you want to leave yeah. you can leave if not yeah. it ain't a big deal sure it sounds sure. like some pretty good service there to me yeah it was it was dope it was dope and there he is kp what's up baby talked to you earlier today but how was your weekend brother uh it was a good weekend uh laid back uh hit some golf balls today so uh trying to get that swing dialed in man i saw you we got to get some on the out to the river yeah i saw you were booming some out into the river earlier yeah had to hit some out there uh but other than that i mean i just hung out i'm really excited for hockey to get back been some doing some digging into that uh really uh excited to see who these black aces are to be honest yeah so hockey's coming back is it confusing kind of Good thing is that we have Tark El-Bashir coming on this episode. Always a great time talking to him. He's on here for an hour. He breaks down the entire NHL return to play. He 
tells the Joe B story. Joe B, love and wine. But yeah, Tark does a great job coming on and just you know laying it all out there for our dumb hockey brains from a fan perspective. Yeah, we kind of went off the yeah. wheels a little bit too and started talking about the cup run and uh, got some stories out of him too. That was tight. Yeah, he did. He did drop some good stories. Definitely the story about Joe B being a total wine lover for sure. Big wine and- guy. AB was mentioning the jetty. We were talking about the jetty. We have at the end of the show, we have here's to the night. It's a, they're a nineties cover band that we first met last summer at the jetty. They shouted us out. They shouted out chirp and DMB when we were first getting started over the mic there. So it's kind of a cool interview. It's kind of a different interview. KP, me and you did this one. They're coming on at the end of this episode. Like we said, uh, we talked to Steve, the guitarist, and he just shoots the shit and we just have a good time on that one. Yeah. Very cool interview. Uh, can't wait for that relationship to build maybe get a chirp and dmv 90 song hockey song 90 song out of it we don't know future might might <laughs> well, be we're breaks. gonna see can you imagine a 90s theme chirp and dmv banger oh yeah yeah that'd be dope little intro song to each episode so kp let's and- go back to what you said black aces right we talked to tark about this a little bit um actually in the tark interview we kind of spoil one of the interviews that we have coming up in the coming weeks with the black ace so listen to that to find out but let's talk about the main potential black ace and connor mcmichael uh you know the caps draft pick last year the ohl second all second all-star team i mean he was just lighting up the league i mean the likelihood of us getting connor mcmichael up for the playoffs as a black ace is pretty big it's a pretty likely chance i mean would you guys like to see him hit that lineup but the question the thing is too is like fuck yeah the only way he does is due to an injury but that's a great guy to have on the back end there. Well, I just want him there so he can get the experience. Even if he's the guy that is there for the practices, he's like the the fill-in guy for lines, stuff like that. I mean, just to get that experience, be side-by-side side with Ovechkin, watch them how they go day-to-day. I mean, training with the guys and the nutrition. I think Tark even mentioned something about that so he can learn the nutrition side of it all, being around the guys. It'd be great for him. For sure. A.B., thoughts on first-round pick Connor McMichael, the 19-year-old potentially? playing in the playoffs uh, well first off it's kind of he kind of broke that news while we were like interviewing him yeah. the official tweet didn't come out so the next day i saw someone tweeted like mcclellan thinking about bringing mcmichael and i was like oh shit like not many people knew that like he broke it on here yeah so right. we well we talked to tark the night before the media press conference the media right. conference call i should say with mcclellan so i guess he had a good idea a good inclination it was going to happen and then bang yeah. um so now we know two of them. Well, what I was going to say was the McMichael thing, like he's, he's not going to crack the lineup obviously, but like, like Kyle said, yeah. um, it'll be good for him to like, see like what goes on in the NHL, like how to basically like having these mentors, like since everyone's old as fuck, well, not old as fuck, but we have a pretty old team at this point. Um, he's got a lot of good mentors to follow off of to get, kind of rolling into his NHL career what I'm more interested to see is how quickly they bring him on full time because the caps are kind of slow when it comes to bringing guys up besides OV and Backstrom I mean you think about everyone like it took Vrana a couple of years took Burkowski a couple of years I think true um they they like to take it their took time. Kuznetsov a lifetime it felt like to get him from yeah. the KHL granted that's a different well, that was just to get but, him over here um so it takes I don't know. They they tend to go a little slower on on their prospects than other teams that I've seen. Like the Rangers are usually they're they're quick, but they're yeah, also they like not, to give them that experience. It feels right, like. they're also kind of in the middle of a rebuild, so I guess that's a little different. But still, either way, I will be very interested to see what happens 
more interested to see what happens next year if he cracks the lineup. I don't think he will, to be quite honest, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's also cool because, I mean, these guys getting the experience that are the Black Aces that might normally not get this opportunity, it's cool for them because what else are they doing this time of the year, this summer? I I'll mean, think. this is a crazy experience where they're going to get to play NHL hockey in the summer or be with an NHL team. So, A crazy experience for Black Aces, but also a right. once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for an NHL franchise in the Washington Capitals that can be like, hey, how often do you get this really good first-round draft pick? But the, the, year after, the year you draft him, there's this weird situation where this pandemic hits, and, but the playoffs are back, and you get to bring this 19-year-old all-star up to the roster because we get 28 players he can black ace so he's on the ice with our team every day he's practicing he's getting reps in with ovi and backstrom and that type of shit granted like you said ab he's probably not going to play but he's getting reps in in the nhl with our top lines and a playoff push for a stanley cup that can't do anything but help him do we know his stats from this past year of him playing yeah a million we got goals. that guy around here yes and a million points with a million hat tricks Right, right. Like uh, he, I know he's he, playing well. He like led the OHL in hat tricks or something like that. He, the guy, fucking scores, which is kind of sweet. Yeah, he um, <laughs> put him on the fourth line. Yeah, I believe he had fifty-two games played, forty-seven goals, fifty-five assists for hundred and two points. And I don't see anything about here about hat tricks, but yes, AB, I remember seeing that he had a million hat tricks throughout the years. Yeah. So forty-seven goals in fifty-two games, like. Yeah, Fuck out of here, dude. Not a goal a game. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to not as bright as the topic, uh, our guy Brooks, like the legend, who we DM all the time, trying to get him to come on this show. But him and uh, Julianne Hugh Huff, you got him on. Well, well, I wish we got him on. We're trying <laughs> to get him on. He can come on and talk about whatever he wants. But yeah, they he's separated with his wife of after nearly three years of marriage. He was dating that actress. Um, am I saying it right? Hugh Huff, Julianne Huff, Julian Hugh. I don't. It doesn't matter yeah. anymore. She's not a part of our life. <laughs> she's no, she's no longer a part of our life. So I tweeted about it. I, I tweeted about it, and I or like I quote tweeted something. It was like no Brooks, and then somebody replied and said, but "You know, this is a, like this happened a while ago. You know that, right? Yeah, I guess. But, but I just saw the news this weekend. Ago. Like yeah, this it, happened it, a while ago that they actually yeah, split up. Six months ago that she was a lesbian, just a full-on lesbian. Oh, no way. <laughs> so that explains somebody tweeted at our Chirpin' account said she was getting a bit, quote-unquote, out there. So, all right. So she was out there dating yeah. chicks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she, like, admitted while they were married. And I was like, so what? what is he going to do about this? Are they just going to yeah. continue on with their marriage or what? Well, then he posted thirst trap on Instagram with him with the axe and the fucking abs and everything. He's getting he's getting back out there. He's he's trying to find somebody again. He looks real good in that. Maybe an NHL team will pick him up as a black ace. <laughs> we put that picture up, and we're, I was like, "Fellas, what are you doing if this guy grabs your girl's ass at a bar?" And everybody was like, "Our Brandon was like congratulating him on his new girlfriend." <laughs> everybody else was like, "I'm not doing anything about it." Congrats to him. <laughs> yeah, that guy's. Go ahead, have her. Yeah, but right. he is also the nicest guy in the world. So, yeah, so that's breaking news to me because I just saw it this weekend. But well, breaking news to you, breaking news to me. You know what else happened this weekend as of yesterday, Saturday? So, I guess two days ago. Um, Braden Holpe, the anniversary of the save. Yeah, that was dope. Three two caps lead game two in Vegas. AB, why don't you take us through it first? I mean, thoughts on the save, what it meant to the rest of that series, and just was that the I best? watched it. 
five or six times in a row. Like I just watched that like minute clip where they the Doc Hammer call and then the John Walton call. Um, yeah, that was. I I know a couple of the players in the like in the Stanley Cup DVD said that once he made that save, they knew they were going to win the Stanley Cup. Which I was like, that's still a bold statement because it was a one nothing series at that point. Vegas was in the lead, and that was to tie the series, I believe. Correct. Yeah, that was game two. Caps up three two with two oh four left in the game, and then actually, I, hold on, give me just a second. Let's just Caps had all the momentum though. I just remember the puck. Puck taking a weird bounce as always um, in the playoffs. Pass pass back door, and I'm like, God damn it! This is such a typical Caps thing to do to let up a goal to go into overtime with less than two minutes left, and we're gonna lose this fucking game in overtime. I saw it all happen right before my eyes, and then Holpe made. The greatest save of all time, probably. Yeah, I'd say that was the greatest save in Caps franchise history. That save, I think, definitely propelled us to winning that cup. I mean, we I mean, blew gotta- Vegas out in every other game, seemingly. game At least the two home games, we blew them out of the water. But that, that, I, knew, that save- I, I know we're biased, but that's got to be – that has to go down as the greatest save in the history of the NHL. I don't care – I remember getting in Twitter fights with Vegas fans, too, because Flurry had a great save this year. Right, made that weird, like, jumping save. Yeah, the weird jumping save where the guy had a no-angle shot and was, like, a million feet out. and The puck was going to miss the net, it looked like, anyway. The puck may have missed it, may or may not have missed the net. Meanwhile, Holpe stops a point-blank backdoor goal with a wide. Stanley Cup final. In Stanley Cup final. Like, it's, like, you can't argue it. Like, that's that's the greatest save of all time. And, well, the thing is, too, like, have people done that before? Yes, but was it in that situation with – that opportunity and those circumstances on the line. I mean, I guess maybe people are like, it's almost like a Hail Mary because you're kind of just swinging your stick out there, but it's almost on the shooter. The shooter should have got the puck up in the air. Would have been a totally different story. Same thing as when James Neal hit the wide open post when all he had to beat was Niskanen laying on his ass. Yeah, Holby made an athletic play. I mean, can't talk shit about it. It's just like throwing a glove out there. He threw his stick out there. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely epic. Epic save for sure. So last thing here before we get to the Tark interview, because it's about an hour long and I'm sure you guys are just tired of hearing us talk and you want to get to him because he comes in and breaks it down for us. And he's the intelligent guy of the group. But so the caps have been doing the Jersey poll on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and whatnot. And Holy, I'm, I'm looking at this, look how fucking sunburned I am, dude. Just sitting outside all day. Just look at that. Yeah, you see that? Use the sun, use the sunscreen, tough guy. You're not red. Right. Well, than- outside playing with the new puppy all day. We got a new puppy in the, the house. sunscreen on. Got to be safe. This guy thinks he's tougher than the sun. I am tougher right? than the sun, but um, <laughs> I'm Aren't torched. You? I'm torched. That's what happens to the bars up in man. Like I said, I was just let's go outside. Let's get weird. But so Holpe, I'm looking at this picture of Holpe. Sorry, but not Holpe. But the Capitals have posted this thing on social media the jer- the jersey bracket madness what's the best caps jersey of all time and the championship came down to the the red winter classic ones from when we played the blackhawks it was kind of like maroon reds and it came down to the caps current alternate those reds that we always lose in uh the red winter classic i believe ended up winning but ovechkin comments on one of the instagram posts where the caps say which jersey takes all the marbles he goes the best one my first year Let's make it happen. My first jersey next year, question mark. Say yes, please, Caps fan. So all we all want it. We all want this jersey. You know, he's talking about the white Eagle jersey from his rookie year. Uh, is that something you want to see Ovi wear again? KP, start with you. Yeah, always been an advocate for the Screaming Eagle. Big Screaming Eagle guy. 
I mean, that's just like Jersey with an Eagle on it. It's pretty badass. Um, but I also will add, I'm a big advocate for the black Jersey with the capital on it, you know, with the hockey six crossing, that's a throwback as well. I mean, I loved seeing Ole Coles again, that Jersey. So that's a throwback. I would like to see come back. The Royal blue Eagle or the Royal blue screaming Eagle lit. That is lit. Cape I mean, AB thoughts on the white cap jerseys. If we bring it, bring it back next year, it was a little all T. Yeah. I would like to, I don't want it to be the permanent one, but I would love it as an alternate Jersey. That would be so dope. Give it to me I like think, three times a year. I think that best, the best Jersey was that the uh, red alternates we have now. I think that should just be our home Jersey, even though you say we always lose in it. Uh, I, don't I believe, agree with that though. I don't believe that shit. I think that's, it's the best looking sweater we got. Oh, it I agree. It's a good looking sweater. I like that red. I just say we always lose in it because this year when we've worn that jersey, we're literally like one and seven. But I love that jersey. And I love the alternate white ones that match that. Yeah, the Winter Classic, 2011 Winter Classic ones. And um, we wore them in the playoffs in 2015? Yeah, something like those that. Those were our road jerseys in the playoffs. They, they, should, they should make those our permanent jerseys and then the Screaming Eagle our alternate jersey. For sure. So last thing we get to Tark. Like I just said, too, that the Caps should do. But you guys see that Phoenix said they were going to wear – or the Arizona Coyotes said they were wearing the Kachina for every game that they're designated the home team in the playoffs? Really? They're only that, wearing the black Kachina jerseys. That was just sick. So, I mean, that, that's a good move by them. Yeah, that's so dope. For sure. So, with that being said, guys, we've got an hour with Tark Elbashir from The Athletic. If you don't follow him on social media, if you don't read his stuff on The Athletic, you're missing out. But let's kick it over to him right now. All right, guys, we now welcome back on our guy when it comes to all things deep inside that Caps locker room, writer for The Athletic, and if you aren't following him, you damn well should be, Tark El-Bashir. How you doing, man? Welcome back. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I'm doing good, you know, I, I guess as well as, as could be given the circumstances, but it looks like you guys are all doing well. So, you know, got our health. That's yeah, right we got our health. We're, we might be going a little stir-crazy inside, but I guess we'll start with I'm that. You've been doing that. anything anything to pass the time? What have you been doing to kill time? Um, nothing real special. I mean, I, I got an 18 year old daughter and I got a 16 year old son. So, uh, we would go into the park down the street from us a lot, you know, running stairs, trying to stay in shape, at least for them. I'm, 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 I'm hopelessly out of shape, but I try to do what I can. Um, uh, I've always been into remote control cars and things and, you know, had a little more time to play around with toys. But other than that, I mean, just reading the news, Trying to keep up on uh, what's going on in the world of uh, caps and and the NHL, and occasionally writing about it. <laughs> yeah, we've been following. I've, we've seen you've been doing some mailbags and some jersey voting and stuff like that. So keeping yourself busy. I mean, we're two months. We're two and a half months into this. It's like I shot. I shot all my my good stuff like right out of the cannon, like early on. And I got to like two weeks ago. I was like, uh, what's know. left <laughs> i mean like, like today i don't know if you saw i saw today um i i literally speculated on who the black aces are gonna be if and when the season starts up that's where we are in quarantine <laughs> oh and, and then yesterday i um down goes brown one of my colleagues <laughs> i had this idea where he got every beat writer of the 24 teams that are in the playoffs and we get to draft a player who is on one of the seven teams that's not in oh no and of way. course Rasmus Ristolainen, and I'm getting killed on in like the comments and on Twitter. So that's been my day. That's kind of your job, though. You have to get killed every time you write something, though. It doesn't bother me. <laughs> we, we were just talking. We were just talking last night to one of the potential, I guess, Caps Black Aces and Phoenix Copley. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was one of them. You're gonna start getting busy. So let's just jump right in. The news 
it's all coming back, but I kind of want to start here. So what we're going to do, like I said, we're going to pick your brain from our, our dumb hockey brain perspective for, <laughs> I guess, the fans that are still trying to read all this. I mean, we've been doing a ton of reading, a bunch of research, read your, read your story on The Athletic. I kind of got a good idea, I think, but probably not. So we'll start right here with the awards where the season ended. Yeah. Caps get their fifth straight Metro. OV ties for the Rocket Richard, which is, to be honest, kind of bullshit because he got a game in hand, a game or two on Pasternak. <laughs> but let's let's start there. I mean, is there one well, he we missed? missed? The game. Yeah, that's true. So, is there one that we missed? And what are your thoughts on how they just ended the season right there and gave out the awards as is? I, I think it was the only way to do it, guys. Um, I, you know, once they got to um, the twenty-four game format, twenty-four team format. Uh, you know, they had discussed 20 teams. They had discussed other things. Once you broadened it all the way up to 24 teams, you knew that you were going to have a lot of games left, um, you know, with regard to the play-in and also with regard to the round robin. And um, just finishing the regular season was just not going to be feasible. I mean, that was going to be more tests. You are going to be bringing back guys who didn't have a whole lot of motivation. I mean, you know, the, the, the seven teams that are out of it, uh, you know, those guys didn't want to come back from – you know, Slovakia and uh, Moscow and wherever else they had scattered to, um, you know, not only is it risky, uh, you know, there was nothing for them to play for. So I, I think, I think um, ending the regular season where they did, you know, and then making determinations based on uh, points percentage made the most sense. I mean, look, it's imperfect. It was always going to be imperfect. Someone's going to be mad about it. I know Boston's pissed that, you know, their, um, their sizable lead in the East could be erased, but look, I mean, it's a global pandemic. I mean, like, what are we talking about here? You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> no one saw this coming and I uh, could have prepared for it. And, you know, I, I think the NHL has done a, a pretty decent job um, of, of uh, finding something that's equitable for, for most of the teams. Well, so did you see what Rod Brandemore said the other day? I think he said yesterday something about uh, just how the regular season has now been like made yeah. useless. And I just I, see that. I just think that's such, like bullshit because there's still ten to twelve games left yeah. for those bubble teams to figure it out. And this is a good format for those bubble teams to basically get past that first round that they made in this twenty-four in this twenty-four team playoff. So. I, I read his comments. Yeah, I read his comments, and I, he doesn't strike me as a complainer. Remember, I you know I covered that first round series last year, and he didn't he didn't do a whole lot of complaining. Uh, maybe a little bit, right. but not a whole lot. <laughs> you know, he's a pretty he was a pretty honest player. And he's a he's a maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit. Uh, a pretty honest coach. I, I I mean, I can understand why some people are um, you know annoyed by the format, but I'll tell you, I think you nailed it, man. Um, I think that the teams that are in the play in round probably have a little bit of an advantage because they're going to, you know, just like everyone's going to have their three week uh, ramp up for a training camp. And then you're going to have the capitals, uh, you know, in the, in the round Robin, you know, they're going to be playing games that are sort of important. I mean, y you definitely want to um, improve your seating, but it's not life or death. Right. Those other teams it's win or go home. So they're, they're going to be already in playoff mode. Whereas, you know, the capitals and the Bruins and the lightning and the flyers are going to be trying to fake some sort of, you know, motivation, you know, sort of like, you know, they were down the stretch when these other guys are going to be in, in, in top form. Yeah. yeah, I was going to kind of ask you what you thought was going to be more beneficial to be one of those play-in teams that gets that elimination type competitiveness in you. But you're also getting – you get a minimum of three games up to five. And, you know, what's the likelihood we even see a sweep in one of these qualifying rounds, to be honest? So a lot of these teams are going to be playing four or five games while the Caps are just going to get their three in and then – 
to face a team that's in playoff shape pretty much. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And, um, you know, I, I'm old enough to have covered five game series. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, one game in, you're in desperation mode. You know, that team that loses that first game. In a seven-game series, you lose one game, it's like, all right, boys, it's only a goal. You know, we figured out what they're doing. We're okay. As long as we get this next one, we're all right. Man, you lose that first game in a five-game series, it's like, oh, crap. <laughs> you know, our, your backs are already against the wall. And so um, I, I think we're going to see some upsets. <laughs> I think we're going to see some great hockey. Um, and I do think that um, – uh, those teams that are in the play, and they're going to have a, a distinct advantage. Yeah. Like, a team like Pittsburgh, I can see having a little bit of an issue with this whole format because they were pretty much locked into the playoffs, and now they have to play Canadians who carry Price steals three games and you're done. Um, whereas, again – There's a lot back, of discussion of that. <laughs> right. And um, – going back to the Carolina issue, like they were still a bubble team. So I don't see where they can complain that much. Yeah. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, once everyone kind of gets, gets their complaints off their chest, everyone's just going to be happy to, to you know, hopefully be able to play hockey again. I mean, it's so important. Um, you know, I, I think it's important for the psyche of, of sports fans, you know, um, and I, it's going to be important for the, the health of the league. I mean, you know, I, to a certain extent, I agree with Gary Bettman when he says that ownership has never been stronger uh, across the board. Man, there's some teams that are just scraping by. And mm -hmm. if they hadn't played this last uh, – or at least made a, an effort, we don't know if it's going to happen. But um, if they didn't even make an effort to play these games, man, I'm not saying any teams would have folded up shop, but it would have been pretty tough for some teams to kind of, you know, keep their operations going and, you know, paying scouts and, and front office people. Cause you know, even if they don't play again, you still have to start ramping up for next year. Yeah. Um, which is a whole nother, you know, um, uh, you know, situation because if they don't um, somehow figure out a, a cure or a vaccine and they're not able to open the doors next year, uh, whenever that season begins late December, early January, um, I think everyone's going to be in trouble in sports. Well, I've even seen a rumor that the season might just start with the winter classic on new year's day next year. I mean, is that like a legit possibility that we're not seeing hockey the regular season until January next year? I've heard that too, man, um, and for people who, who would know. And, uh, you know, no decisions are being made. And the, the, the leagues across the board are being very careful not to put dates and times and here's where we're going to – because stuff changes. I mean, if there's a big outbreak somewhere, you know, you got to adapt, which is why, you know, they haven't announced the, the two hub cities. I mean, they want to continue to monitor situations – Gary Bettman um, said he didn't want to make a decision until he absolutely had to make a decision, which is they're going to continue to kind of, you know, monitor everything. And um, if Vegas is still low and Edmonton is still low and the borders are open and you're able to get them, those are going to be the two cities. So, um, yeah, I mean, starting on, on uh, at the Winter Classic, I, I think if, if that is what ends up happening, and I went to the last year's Winter Classic, that was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah was so much fun i was standing right sorry to kind of go off on a tangent i was standing right where the pig racing was going on i don't know if you guys saw any of this. yeah yeah he's yeah. <laughs> like literally just running around like 10 feet from me it was the craziest thing i'd ever what seen what kind of hockey game is this <laughs> oh my god that was so much fun uh and then who got who got tossed right off the bat uh perry Corey yeah perry. that's right had to make Corey that perry. long walk 
right past us, and everyone's you know, and all the uh, all the, the the Predators fans are giving it to them. <laughs> that was a that was a blast. But you know, getting back on point, it, you know, if if it is uh, the Winter Classic and it's you know January one or or whatever, I think it does two things. It gives the scientists a little extra time to kind of find a cure or a vaccine or or something, and it also does something that people have long said about the NHL and even the NBA to a certain extent. Why are you going toe-to-toe for three months with the NFL? What are you doing? I mean, and you know what? I, I see my numbers. Um, and, you know, I, I've been covering the Capitals on and off since 2003. I, get, I, I can see how many people are reading my stuff. I mean, the minute the Redskins are eliminated, which is usually, you know, week 17, like the next day. Well, come on. Week five, six, seven. I'm talking about officially eliminated. Yeah, it is normally way earlier than that. But, I mean, really the attention span just kind of flips over um, um, from fans to to everything else. Uh, And then after the Super Bowl, you get another bump. Once football's really done, there's nothing else. I mean, it's it's hockey and basketball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that that poses a question. Like, if it works so well, I guess, next season, is it something that the NHL decides to permanently change in terms of that order? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hear you saying. I, I, I think they kind of want to see how this goes. I, I think this is special circumstances. You know, the problem is if you still want to play an 82-game schedule, and I've, I've been saying for, I don't know, better part of a decade, they need to shave about 10 games off this schedule, especially now that the guys are bigger, faster, stronger. I mean, they just get worn down, and they even kind of, you know, subconsciously take a little vacation in the middle of the season. You know, usually you see that stretch in, like, early February where, like, you know, the Cavs really oh eight and one these last nine. You know what? They, they, they're they're tired and they realize that they still have. You know they had that realization after after the All Star break. That, oh my God, we still have like half a season to go. Yeah. Um, if you just lop off ten games, and I, I know the owners will never do it, but if they did, I think that would um that would make that would lend itself to having a January through whatever season you know more easily than now because now if you want to play eighty two games and you start in January. I mean, you're talking about playing deep into the summer months and, you know, the little things. But, I mean, you know, hockey's a winter sport. It's played on ice. And let's be honest. I mean, the, the ice in Tampa sucks on a good day when it's 98 degrees outside with 100% humidity. The ice is terrible. Vegas in June two years ago, it's – Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it, – it, it makes it harder. And then, you know, then you run into people being on vacation and everyone's at the beach and are people really watching a, a, a winter sport in uh you know in june july so i i think they power through and just kind of get these next two years knocked out you know the end of this year and the next year and um hopefully you know from from a medical standpoint the world is in a better place and maybe they can come back to something close to what they're doing now i mean i think maybe even a november start i don't know just kind of split the difference a little bit yeah kind of like think it like a thanksgiving one Right, be. Like college hockey, right? Or, or like, you know, prep school hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing I can say to combat that is just to play devil's advocate is there's really, like, no sports being played in the months of July, August. So, like, if the NHL could dominate that, I think they would pick up a lot of money there. I mean, what's what's people? what are people watching? Like, day baseball games? Not really. I mean, they'll watch seventh, eighth, ninth inning, I guess, in July and August. But, I mean – you're right. I might watch NASCAR later on today. That's how, that's yeah. how like, you know, a lot of people are jumping on that train. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Go Kansas. But yeah, if they could <laughs> own those months. I, I agree with you. I, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, 
if, if that's what it comes down to, I think the technology is at the point where if they really want to figure out a way to put good ice down in hot areas, they'll figure it out. I mean, yeah. it, it's just yeah. dehumidifiers and making the building colder. Sure, it's going to cost some more money to, to turn the temperature down to 48 degrees, but if you want to do it, you can do it. Right. right. So we brought up July a couple of times. I mean, the rumor has been training camp starts like July 1st to July 10th. A couple of questions off of that. What's There's the actually some news. There's some news in like the last few minutes. Uh, uh, Pierre Lebrun, my colleague at The Athletic, said that teams were informed around 4 o'clock today that training camp will not begin before July 10th. Yep. So okay. typically in sports, when someone says it's not going to begin before July 10th, it begins at 6 a.m. July 10th. So you can pretty much count on it beginning right off the bat. I think the reason that you would want to make that announcement is, you know, I, I did some math the other day or just some, some kind of combing through social media to figure out where the caps all are. Right. And by my count, nine of them are in Europe right now. So if you're you, – the PA needed to put out a date soon because now if you're Jacob Verana and you're coming back from Prague – and you got to quarantine for 14 days, you got to kind of do that math and go, okay, well, I need to fly in on this day. When is, when is Czech Air flying back to DC? You know, you got to figure that stuff out. I don't know if Czech Air actually exists. I've never been there. Something like that. They get here quick enough. But, uh, so what, how long of a training camp are we looking at? Like two to three weeks? And then when we get, when we get there. Three weeks. What's going to be the deal with, you know, training camp itself, are there, is there going to be like no more than 10 players on the ice at a time or the Cats going to have to break it up into session A and session B? Because what's the likelihood of being like, all right, the entire team, get on the ice and let's start ripping through training camp here together? Man, those are the questions that, have, that haven't been answered. And those are those outstanding issues that are still being negotiated by, um, by the players and the NHL. Um, I mean, I, I would imagine that by the time we get to July – uh, you will have already been through three to four weeks of those small group practices where maybe they already have some processes down and some and a better feel for, um, uh, you know, whether they need to continue small groups or can expand to bigger groups. In my opinion, I'm no doctor, I'm not a scientist, but I think that once the entire group is in the same location, whether it's in DC or whether it's in the hub city, once everyone's been in the same location in the bubble, for two weeks and no one has tested positive, you're in a good, you're in a pretty good space. Unless you're bringing in people from the outside of the bubble who may bring in COVID with them. But once everyone's in that bubble and you've cleared 10 to 14 days, you can probably start having full everything. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's so many questions, guys. I mean, you know, how are they going to test? I heard someone, I was talking to someone in the league today and they were like, you know, what if, what if, um, you're in a building like MedStar and MedStar opens to public and people are coming in to get their skate sharpened and figure skate on the other rink, you know, can that contaminate things? Do you, or would you rather just, if you're the capitals, like find a rink in the middle of nowhere and just lock everyone down in one location with a hotel that's five minutes away. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of stuff that's going to have to get worked out here. Um, but I'll tell you this, man, I, I've covered some lockouts, um, a couple of them. Well, maybe three. I don't know. There's been a lot of lockouts. Two, two, maybe. Um, at least two. Uh, and and I've got a pretty good feel for when the players and the owners are just like, yeah, see how it goes. And when they're like, all right, we got to figure this out, boys. How are we going to do it? They're in that mode right there. Like, like they're not just like, eh, you know, like, call me next Monday. I know it's six days away, but we're in no hurry. Call me next Monday. If I don't answer, call me the following Monday. It's not that. It's, hey, what are you doing in 10 minutes? We need to have a conference call and figure this out. So, um, 
they're not in total scramble mode, but they're certainly there's a there's momentum and I would say a determination to make this work. So I mean, you're definitely thinking that they're they're going to get this done. There's no way that it would really they're really too far ahead to where something's going to get done. Yeah, I I mean that's the sense that I get. You know, the one thing about this virus is it's not cooperating. You know, it, it's not just going away. Um, if there's an outbreak. Um, that could set things back. If you get a bunch of guys in the middle of training camp and one team has six positive tests, that could set things back. You know, there's all sorts of landmines. So it's going to be a lot of like tiptoeing around until you get to that hub city and you get, and then you, I think once you get past that two week mark, like I said, and you're in that hub city or wherever, you know, um, wherever the teams are centralized, um, I think then can't breathe easy, but at least then you know that it would take something really stupid to happen, like a player sneaking out or someone sneaking in and, and disrupting that uh, that, that uh, quarantine or that uh, sequestered kind of bubble situation. Yeah, the, so something interesting since we keep talking about the hub cities is they've obviously come out with that list. I'm sure you've seen it. A couple of the cities are like Chicago, Columbus, Dallas. And you know, keep in mind, too, like you said, there's still a lot of questions. That's why we have you on so we could pick your brain and then take a quote and pretend it's true. <laughs> since you're the professional here, but uh, do you think that some of these hub cities, it looks like there's a couple of Eastern Conference teams, a couple of Western Conference cities that they might try to say, like put the Eastern Conference in Pittsburgh or Columbus, one of the Eastern Conference hubs, and then say put the Western Conference in Vegas or Chicago, or did they not give a damn about that, whatever is the two safest, or putting somebody A, somebody B? The latter. I, I, I think that um... – the only, in my opinion, the only thing that will come into consideration is I think some GMs will throw a fit if, like, Vegas ends up in Vegas. You know what I mean? Or, right. like, uh, Columbus ends up in Columbus or the Penguins end up in – I think that might be a consideration. But I think for the most part, it's going to be dictated by science and um, by what the safest place is. Um, I want to say – I think I read somewhere the other day that, like, Edmonton has the one of the lowest – um uh, infection rates in north america i mean mean, if you can work out the border thing and let's be honest all you got to do is have trump call you know his his counterparts in in uh in canada and get that worked out i mean that's that's for just for the pro players and i think that's kind of been there's already kind of a wink wink agreement kind of in place already um they'll be able to figure that out because i think you know there's a lot of money at stake but i think uh even world leaders kind of understand how important it is just for the sanity of, of everyone to kind of get back some sense of right for sure. I mean, you just mentioned Edmonton, they literally made a pitch saying that, Hey, that time of the year in Edmonton is beautiful out. We can reserve golf courses for players and families and this, that, and the other we will have entertainment. Has there been any other cities to kind of make a pitch? Cause you got to think like say Edmonton does, does get that. Yeah. I heard Vancouver did. Yeah. Yeah, so you can hire staff. It's helping them if they get – because you can have some hire some staff to help run the rink and the operations sure. and that type of stuff. But Sure. Yeah, you said Vancouver. Did there any others? Yeah, I, I mean, um, I, th- I think Vegas did. Um, I, you know, I, I, if, you're, if you're a city um, uh, that is capable of, of hosting the, 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 one of the hubs, you want to be, you wanna be um, in the mix. I mean, you'd like for it to be your city. I mean, like you said, it'll bring, it'll bring business – uh, it'll bring notoriety. I mean, people will be talking about you. I mean, you'll look kind of like a hero for, for, for getting it done. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of reasons. Um, uh, you know, I think of those Western Canadian cities and, uh, you know, those just to me, 
I've been to both many times. I mean, uh, you could stage it easily at either one of those places. I mean, the, the things you need are are ample hotel space. You know, you're going to have a, a if every, so let's say you're going to have 12 teams in each hub. Each team is going to be limited to 50 people. I'm bad at math, but that's what, 600 people? How, how many people is that? 600? Yeah, that's a lot of people. Let's just say that's a lot of people. I mean, you put that in, you can put that in one huge hotel or you can have it in two hotels and, you know, our, our family's going to be able to come at some point. So you, you got to have all of, all of those amenities and it can't be a red roof in guys. Yeah. He's not sitting in a red roof in. I mean, none of these guys are. So, so it's got to be a, a place that, I mean, that's why Vegas just makes so much sense. I mean, those, some of those hotels, I, mean, I know you guys have been to Vegas. I mean, some of those hotels have a thousand rooms. I mean, you can literally just quarantine an entire, you know, uh, an entire uh, team per hotel or just put everyone in the same hotel on a different floor. I mean, some of those things are just enormous. I mean, I'm, I remember during the Stanley cup final, man, NBC put everyone, uh, including NBC Washington and, um, you know, down to, you know, Eddie Olchek and, uh, <laughs> and doc, we were all in the MGM and that, the, that place, I mean, like there must've been a hundred floors per like wing, I mean, hundred rooms per wing. And there was like six wings or something. And they, so you, you could, that's why I think, you know, a place like Vegas makes perfect sense. Um, but yeah, to, to get back to your point, I, I do feel like the momentum Kyle is, is, you know, moving in the right direction and that they're going to, they're going to pull out all the stops to try to get something done. Well, how many, how many states are there in Vegas? Like to be able to play at? How many ranks? Yeah. How many ranks do they got? Yeah. That's, that's going to be my that's a good question. Uh, you got T-Mobile, you got the practice rink, for the Golden Knights. That's um, really it, because in terms of other ranks, one. like when I was living out there, there's not a lot of ranks. There's, there's another like, one, though. There's like two um, or three around the area, yeah. like Henderson and Summerlin and all that type of stuff, but they're not like... Summerlin, I think, is they, the Golden Knights, I think. But I mm-hmm. think there's another one. Because, um, uh, my son is actually going to a USHL camp out there and around the same time, and it's not Summerlin. It's somewhere else. But are they going to be using the, just any rank? Or are they for games, I guess, once they get picking a hub city? Or are they looking for just any kind of sheet of ice? I don't think so. I, I mean, you know, if you're going to have 12 teams, I don't know how you're going to have two or three games a day on one sheet of ice and also let teams practice there. I think you're going to need to have, you know, which is why those Canadian cities, again, you know, really, really uh, stand out. You're going to need to have the game rink, and then you probably are going to need a facility – that has, you know, multiple sheets of ice. And, you know, if you guys have ever been to Canada, um, you know, not only is there a rink on every corner, some of the rinks have like eight sheets of ice. Right. Uh, You're going to need a place like that because, I mean, just playing two or three NHL games on a sheet of ice, you know, one sheet, I mean, that's, you're tearing that rink up on a daily basis. Well, until like Tarek said earlier, you think, oh, if he's going to stay at a Red Roof, anything is going to stay in the same locker room that we use when we were like squirts, <laughs> like on a squirt B team, those little small corner <laughs> locker rooms that just have one bench that goes all the way across. Uh, Matthew, you'd be surprised at what some of these uh, rinks, these practice rinks on the road look like, man. Some of them, I mean, there are definitely, I, I've definitely covered, there have been definitely times in, in my years of covering the league where, uh, guys had to get dressed like at the hotel to get on the bus and then they went i mean it's they adjust mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> they yeah adjust. i can see that they, and they've been playing hockey long enough it's nothing so <laughs> right. to kind of be honest here this was a pretty bad caps team when things shut down i mean you wrote about it five seven and three in their last 15 
the, do you think this has any effect on this team coming back, knowing where they left off and it's still being the yes. same season? Or will it seem like a massive reset? So you think it will? Yes, I think it's going to be a massive uh, reset. Um, you know, to me, you know, it, to give you the kind of short answer, I feel like this was a veteran-laden team, a team that, you know, most of their players are 29 to 30 years old or on the other side, of the wrong side of 30 years old. They were very disappointed by getting bounced by the underdog Hurricanes in the previous um, the, the, the previous first round, and they all came back to, to MedStar Capitals Iceflex way earlier than usual and started doing their informal skates and working out, and they just had their they had said it in their head this was going to be their year. They came out of the gates like gangbusters and blew away the league through like what almost Christmas, like Denver, yeah. then they got to Boston right around Christmas and late stinker, and it was. From there, I think they just kind of, I think they got fatigued. I think some key guys got a little banged up from playing so hard early on. I think what we talked about earlier, you know, some guys were like, hey, you realize we have a whole nother half season to go here and we're going 100 miles an hour right now. Let's, you know, let's make sure we're good for the playoffs. I think all of that conspired and and, uh, and combined to lead to that swoon. And... Um, and sometimes, you know, when you get into a situation where um, you're struggling and and you're not playing well, it can kind of lead to more struggles. It kind of snowballs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what you were seeing there towards the end. Although, I will tell you, I did kind of feel like they were starting to sort of, maybe, kind of, find their game at the end. Yeah, it was inconsistent. Yeah, you know, they, they have that kind of low point. I'm looking at my calendar on the wall. It was uh, – it was the Flyers and the Rangers, right? Back-to-back that were ugly in March. Yeah, on the road. Yeah, yes. And then um, – then, And then it was the 5-2 win versus Pittsburgh. And everyone was like, oh, crap, here it goes. And, like, everyone was like – I mean, everyone was, like, like walking around on eggshells and, like, wondering what was going to happen. And then they beat the Penguins pretty soundly, right? It was, like, yeah. 5-2 or something and then went to Pittsburgh uh, – to Buffalo – and the shootout loss started out terrible, and then ended up stealing the point that clinched the division. <laughs> that was their last <laughs> game. So <laughs> that is kind of funny, knowing that Philly absolutely throttled us. Yeah, Dmitry Orlov's crazy goal won the division. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. That's funny too, because knowing that Philly like just pumped us in the last two games that we played them, but and they were on a roll too, man. Yeah, hopefully that slows them down a lot. So, kind of speaking of resets and staying on that topic, do you see? We obviously, you know, we had our four set lines and what we thought. The only really question mark was the 60 in that rotation. But do we see the same lineup coming in and being like, all right, guys, hey, in training camp, we're going to try to get back into the group with our lines. Or it's like, hey, we only have three weeks. Whatever works best is what we're sticking with. Just jumble up lines and see what happens. I think the forward group is relatively set. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Brendan Leipzig's no longer with the team. He got squeezed out at the end anyway. Um, you yeah. know, We don't need him. Yeah, exactly. He wasn't going to play again. So the the the, the um, important thing that happened there over those last couple of weeks was Kovalchuk showed up mm-hmm. and pushed Richard Ponick down to the fourth line, which put, which pushed Leipzig out of the lineup. And remember, Brendan, before all of his troubles, he just wasn't producing. I mean, I've never seen a guy shoot the puck into the goalie's chest more than that guy. I mean, he does a lot well, but the inability to finish was frustrating and it was starting to drag the line down. So anyway, so putting Ponick down there kind of re-energized that fourth line. So I think the forward group is, is set. I don't think you're going to see much change there. Um, you know, 
when when things go stale, you know, Todd will go back, reach back into his bag of tricks and flip, you know, Backstrom and Kuzi. He'll flip mm-hmm. Oshie and Wilson. But for the most part, uh, the Ford group, those are your those are your twelve guys. I think D is where you need to kind of pay attention. I think D could still get switched up. Remember the start of that Buffalo game? Uh, it was Dylan and Carlson. That's right. On that first yeah. pair, and by the end of the game, it was Kempney and Carlson, and Dylan had moved down. So I think they're still kind of tinkering there. Um, if they had, you know, traded for uh, Rasmus Ristolainen like I did in that make-believe um, <laughs> um, article with Down Goes Brown, they, you know, they'd be set. But yeah, um, they well, didn't. Well, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think the, you know, seriousness, the, the D is going to be the, the question, and and goaltending is going to be a question. I mean, you know, Hope was playing better. Yeah. Sammy looked like I don't know what happened to Sammy, but I, uh, right. you know, he was playing great, and then he just looked like. I mean, and again, it's another guy who just looked tired. He'd never played that many games before. He'd never been on a, in a season mm-hmm. that lasted this long where he faced that many shots in practice. You know, they don't they don't have the same practice load and other things in the KHL. And he gets over here and he just – I mean, there were some times where he walked into the, the dressing room. He's – you can see he was really tired. So, hopefully this reset um, has re-energized John Carlson, whose game had kind of cratered a little bit. Uh, you know, Radko Gudis is another guy. And, you know, he looked like he was gassed. And he just, like, fell out of the lineup. Maybe he's, you know, feeling good and, you know, can come back and, and help a little bit. And you hope that Sam Sonoff is, you know, refreshed and is going to be able to maybe, you know, put some put some pressure on Holtby. I think Holtby will be the one, the number one. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. So, Jensen, he kind of – like, at first we were talking about him, how, like, we kind of wanted to trade him because he wasn't playing that well. And then he ended up being like our best defenseman down the stretch there. He played better. He certainly played better, man. I, I mean, he's got the physical tools and he's yeah. a smart guy. Yeah. He just like, he just panics and like sometimes under pressure yeah. just makes the wrong decision. And you can see it happening. You're like, no, you're not going to, ah. Oh. And I, I, some guys are like that. And I don't know what, and sometimes also you make a few mistakes and your confidence get hurt, gets hurt. And then you make another mistake and now everyone's on you. And now the media is on you. You're getting killed on Twitter and your coaches are bitching at you. And it just kind of, you know, uh, snowballs from there. But I, I think you're right. He was playing a lot better there at the end. Um, yeah. Still probably not exactly where they want him to be or where he can be, but he's playing a lot better. And um, you know, he's another guy that they're going to need, they're going to need a lot from him. I just think in general, man, I, I mean, I'm an optimist by nature. I just feel like this break might do more for the Capitals than it did for any other team, just, just because they're older, play a heavy game, and they were tired. Right. Yeah. Um, I know you said Hopi was going to be the number one, but for that four-game or three-game round robin, do you think they're going to give Samson off a game or just give it all to Hopi and just ride, ride it out? That's a great question. Um, I think I think they're going to – you know, see what training camp looks like. I, I think there's going to be a couple of exhibition games as well. Um, I, I think in the round robin, uh, first of all, you just got to go by feel. I mean, you got to see how training camp unfolds, how the preseason games unfold, um, or, or the exhibition games unfold. Um, but if you're still not sure, if you're if you're Todd Reardon, you're not sure that Holtby has got back his game and he's on question number one, I think you, you need to play Samson off at least once at least once, um, just to make sure. Because remember, he has not faced a shot since – when did he start? When did he, sorry, I keep squinting. I'm looking at a calendar on the wall. Like February or something. Yeah, it, it was it was, it was was a while. So, I mean, it would have been four months, five months since he had faced a, a shot in, in game action. So, I think you want to get him, get him involved um, just because, you know, 
uh, as Holtby has shown us, he's been up and down this year. But I mean, if Holtby comes and he's just, he's look, he looks refreshed and he's you know laser focused and dialed in and playing great, I don't know. I I, I think goaltending is is certainly something that you kind of have to go with the, what you see and how you feel and kind of go with your gut. Right. Hopefully, gives us our best two months of hockey left in DC before he's gone. But uh, kind of building off this round robin, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't doesn't each team's roster size go up like a fair amount of players? Like in terms of guy, I I, I, I might not have seen this. I might have seen it. Like I said, you said earlier that they can have up to 50 people, but didn't they say somewhere they extended the roster size up to maybe like 28 or 30? So yeah, that round robin play, we could bring every single defenseman that we have and just kind of just run them through the ringer in those three round robin games until we find a, an ideal six. I don't think it's going to work like that because remember you're bringing guys into a bubble and you want to keep as few people coming in and out. Right. The way I believe it's going to work uh, is they're going to have 28 skaters okay. and as many goaltenders as, as you can fit on the team bus. I mean, I, I think it's just, it's an unlimited number of goaltenders. Uh, so I'm thinking to myself, 30 probably i mean you already have two goalies on your team so, so let's, let's do the math capitals have 22 players on the team right now after cutting the night um i think they're going to bring on six skaters and they're going to bring on phoenix copley who has already said he's coming and they're going to bring on vtech vanacek uh as kind of a reward for having another all-star season and he's starting to play better and he's starting to kind of work his way into maybe possibly being a prospect so um, or, you know, a guy that they can rely on at some point. Um, I think from a skating, from a skater standpoint, I don't think you're going to bring in that many D. I think Martin Farivari comes up. You know, he played six games with the Capitals this year. Uh, first three, you know, right off the bat, start of the season were great. They brought him back right around the trade deadline to kind of get a look at him before they figured out that they needed to go get Dylan, and he wasn't as good. You know, the league had kind of ramped up and maybe left him behind a little bit while he had been a Hershey. Um, bring up Tyler Lewington, you know, Steady, steady, uh, you know what you're getting there. Uh, just in case you need someone on the right side, just in case you need um, someone in that, you know, in that bottom pair. I think the big one that we're going to keep an eye on, and we're talking to um, uh, GM Brian McClellan tomorrow, is does Connor McDavid. Uh, Connor McDavid. <laughs> hey, 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 excited, man. Let's go. Does Connor McMichael get a call? He does. I think okay. Michael does get a call on. And, wow. you know, the reason you do it, you know, the least brought up Nick Robertson, who's there, who's one of their top guy on top 19, 2019 draft picks. The reason you bring up McMichael is not necessarily for him to play, but look, here's a kid who you thought might have a chance of making your roster next year. Summer development camp, done. Rookie camp in Florida, done. You know, he's probably done. He's, I'm sure he's doing the best he can. He had planned to train with, um, uh, a bunch of pros in the Toronto area. He lives in, in Ontario. He had planned. Uh, he, had, he had planned to try and train with Gary Roberts and his group. You know, I think that Steven Stamkos and some of those other you know uh, you know monsters just get after it in the summer. I, I don't know how that's going. I haven't talked to him in, in a couple of months, but I can't imagine that's been gone very easily. So you bring up McMichael. You let him train with your guys. You know, you get him. You, you know, you show him a little more about nutrition and and what you got to take care of your body. He gets to watch Ovi and Backstrom and Oshie and those guys and if you get two or three injuries to centers <laughs> i don't know maybe you throw yeah, them in there no. see what you, can do. you gotta have the centers for a playoff run yeah and, and you know, speaking of centers i think you bring up mike scarbosa too uh you had an all-star year down first um he got yeah, hurt and missed a lot of games but he's a good player Beck uh, got, he, yeah beck malenstein comes up they really yeah. like his game he, he's a guy i think is gonna he's gonna push for uh brendan leipzig spot next year yeah the, okay. the one game he had 
I thought he played really, really well. The one game he had, I thought he played well. Yeah, I remember it was at Madison Square Garden. I, I think he ended up playing a couple of games, three games maybe. But that first game, I mean, can you imagine making your debut on Broadway? Like you have not right. – I mean, you're, you you go from playing in Hershey to the big show. being in front of 20,000 angry Rangers fans your first game. And you're right. I mean, he was he was running around the rink, uh, killing guys on the four check. He was all over the place. Um, you know, really, really kind of put himself on the radar that they like his game. I uh, think he would be a very good penalty killer. So, yeah, I think um, – I think that roster is going to be about 30, uh, if I had to guess. So, f- so, from sports that are going on right now, UFC, one of the soccer leagues over in Europe, we saw the soccer teams all with their benches down the sideline, six feet apart, individual chairs. We've seen UFC, all the commentators, everybody in the ring is six feet apart. And then after each fight, they're disinfecting the canvas. There's only so much you can do in a built hockey rink. You can't spread out a bench, really. I mean, are we going to see anything drastic in terms of the actual on ice play in terms of trying to social distance besides these rules that we've seen that players got to wear a bubble, no scrums, no this, that, and the other. I thought I had thought of everything, but you just brought up something else for me to think about now. <laughs> I haven't heard anyone mention. That's a great point. Like what are you going to do with the guys on the bench? They're literally leaning on top of each other, breathing their bad breath on, on each other, you know, after every shift, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you're going to have to find a way to not, have them on top of each other unless unless the, the the plan is these guys have been tested they're all negative and we're not giving it to each other mm-hmm. um i mean i did watch some of those bundesliga games on i said that right bundesliga i'm not a soccer guy but i went i was curious so i turned on fox sports the other day to watch the german soccer league and um you know there definitely was a lot of air high fives like they didn't touch each other but i mean when they went after the, the ball they went after the ball like there was right, no right. like oh you got it guy i'm not going to come in here within your six feet bubble i mean they were slide tackling and getting after it um you're right the benches were spread out but i mean you can only do so much i mean i, I honestly i'm like i'm like racking my brain now. i'm like how do you change like the boards and right there's you no know, fans so you're gonna be able to do different things to the configurations of the bench i guess but at that point, you're going to have to cut up the actual dasher board and, like, I can yeah, see Todd now, like, Ovi's line, go! Hey, hey, all the way down. Tap Ovi, you know? <laughs> hey, Oshie, can you tap right. Ovi? And you're trying to like, tell I mean, me that, that like, <laughs> a team you – you're trying to tell me, like, in the conference finals, if Ovi scores a goal, that the whole team is not going to, like, do their normal celebration where they're on top of each other? Like, come on. You can't not tell them to celebrate. I mean, if they want to have some fun – like a social distancing dance or like little celebration, like that actually be pretty cool. Yeah, it gotta be like, like a little elbow kind of bump, you know, from like five feet away or something. I I don't know what they're gonna do there. But they but. have they have to let you do the cool celebrations, like you know, the grenade on the bridge where everybody jump, jumps <laughs> off and like <laughs> crazy shit stuff, like that. Sure. Yeah, crazy stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'll never forget, man, being in you know, was it Tampa, Tampa when Ovi did the hot stick celebration, mm-hmm. and I just remember, yeah, I just remember looking at it going, oh. I was, uh, road trip. I was so tired. I was like, I'm going to like write five more stories about this. <laughs> what are you doing? man? <laughs> I mean, it's a way to inject some more life into it. Have some more fun celebration. Sure. He's giving you more clicks. That's all you're yeah, doing. I'll take it. So um, looking at the bracket, what's maybe the most interesting matchup in the qualifying round out of each conference to you? Um, most challenging. Can I, look, can I look at the bracket real quick? Yeah, go um, ahead. I mean, I'd say, uh, looking at it from our end, I, I personally would say, almost say, like A.B. mentioned earlier, that Pittsburgh 
uh, Canadian series with Carey Price potentially robbing a, robbing a five-game series? Maybe. I, you know, I, I'm looking at Toronto, a lot of firepower, Columbus. So they're getting everyone back, right? Like, all, like they were the yeah. most banged-up team in the history of the NHL. I mean, um, um, uh, I think they're getting – they're going to have, like, mostly a healthy team, um, you know, starting with the back end. I mean, getting um, Jones back is going to be huge. Uh, Islanders, Panthers, that doesn't do anything for me. No. Hurricanes, Rangers, I mean – if that young goalie can, can do something for the Rangers, but otherwise that's going to be pretty, pretty one-sided. I think, I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say it's one-sided, but, but I think the, the, the Canes role there. Um, <laughs> on the other side, I mean, Vancouver, Minnesota, Minnesota's playing great there at the end under Dean Evison. I mean, that, that could be entertaining. Oilers, Chicago, get out of here. Chicago's terrible. Um, <laughs> Calgary, Winnipeg. I, Winnipeg is just a boring team to me. I They're don't know fun. why. There's just something about that. Calgary, I don't see Calgary enough, but they got some They got some young studs up front there. I mean, when, when they're playing well, I mean, uh, you know, Monaghan and uh, Goudreau, I mean, they got some talent. Um, Arizona's not very good. They're so keep, keeping the bracket up there, assuming yeah. that the NHL doesn't recede, what's the ideal – see that the Caps would want to be in? Would they want to play the winner of that I would okay. say Islanders-Florida series? No. No? Well, I, here, here's what I'm going to say. And I'm yeah, sticking Tom to Jerry it. Too. And I got killed on Twitter the other day for it. I'm not sensitive. I'm not a sensitive man. <laughs> but I get killed on Twitter a lot. Um, I don't want to see the Islanders. Barry Trotz knows his team better than any team, anybody who's not employed by the Capitals. Yeah. He knows every inch of that team and what matchups to exploit. I don't want to see him. Uh, if I'm the Capitals. Um, the Hurricanes are like the little brother who's now like as big as you are or as close to as big as you are. And he's, you know, he's like 15. He's starting to feel his kind of testosterone. And he's like, you, you know, you don't look at him as a, as competition, but he's looking at you like, ah, size, you know, like I, I, I can knock you down again. Well, and he does. There's a little grudge there. I, I don't want any part of a grudge match. And, 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 and so here's where I got killed on Twitter. I said, I don't want to see the Penguins either. I don't see them right off the bat um, because those series always go along. They're always physical. They're always emotional. And the winner usually has a chunk taken out of them going into that next round. But then the reason I got killed and I didn't really take this into consideration was every time the Penguins won the cup in the, in the Crosby era, they went through the Capitals. Yeah. And when the Capitals won their cup, they went through the Penguins. So maybe it's like a, you get through that team. You get going. You know, I personally, I still would rather see someone else take care of them. I mean, I, I feel like if they get upset by Montreal, it kind of the the pathway starts to open up a little bit. Um, Maybe the Columbus and Toronto winner. Yeah, I, I'm. Neither one of those teams scare me. I, I think I think Columbus is. You know, they're again, they're a different team right now, right? They have a great head coach, and they're a different team because everyone's healthy again. So, I mean, there's a lot of parity there. Toronto doesn't scare me. Rangers don't scare me. Panthers, no. Um, like ideally, if the Rangers were to win, that'd be nice to pop in there and play that series in the first round. Sure. So, so, so that they play the winner of the third seed. So that's what the Capitals mm -hmm. are currently. Um, so if everything stays status quo, um, yeah. I mean, I, I would say ideally the Panthers. I, I think the Panthers. Yeah, that's that's kind of why I said that series at first in hopes that the Panthers yeah. can win it. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So, 
Yeah, so sorry to jump all over you. You're right. If it's the if it's the Panthers upsetting the Islanders, we'll take it. That's the <laughs> that's the move, I think. <laughs> but I mean, then I mean, still, you got so much, so far to go. I mean, they couldn't find any goaltending, so like, hopefully that keeps the course for us. Like, if we end up seeing them, but it was, yeah. it's funny you mentioned, you mentioned Pittsburgh, and it got to the point where like we lost what two years in a row to them. Yeah. That last year, that that cup run where we finally won, I I almost said before the playoffs started, I was like, I just give me Pittsburgh in the first round, and if we don't beat them, then I don't have to fucking go through another like. <laughs> that was my that was my logic at that point. I was like, we're either beating them or we're not. Let's go. That's, that's that sounds like typical fan logic. No, uh, um, that was that was crazy, man. So the the thing that really got me was, um, I do feel like. That goal, that Kuznetsov goal in overtime, um, that just freed up the Caps, man. I, I know they, had, they went to seven games against the Lightning. That was a good Lightning team they had to beat. But once they got by the once they got by the Penguins, I was like, they're gonna I, win I, it this year. We felt comfortable against Tampa. I felt comfortable against Tampa almost through that entire series. I thought we outplayed them five on five the entire way. We always talk about this, but the only reason why they were they made it seven games is because we took so many penalties. Yes. But then started early on in game seven, man, when Ovi blocked that shot and, like, you know, was hitting everything that moved, I was like, oh, he's going to will these guys to a win here. He took over the game. He did take over the game, man. And that was a really fun thing to see. And uh, I'll tell you, man, I've been doing this since 1999. That was the most fun I've had on a run. I mean, I'm supposed to be impartial and stuff, but, you know, just – you know, I enjoy hockey too. I enjoy good hockey. And then – that was a that was a really special run. Um, I would say that that in Vegas. I mean, just being in Vegas and just that atmosphere, the right. atmosphere in T-Mobile Arena. I mean, I don't keep many videos on my phone, but I sat right next to the lit up drummers, and oh, so yeah. I, I videotaped that entire like that first game, that like game one intro. It's the craziest thing, man. That game seven against Tampa was the best game I think I've ever seen the Cats play by far. They they took it to another level. Uh, yeah. I mean, and watching and watching the Lightning fans like leave in frustration with like five minutes to go, <laughs> that was something, man. If I remember correctly, I had to. I was supposed to do like a man on the street over the you know, shoulder interview with my camera guy, and so like we ran downstairs like with like a minute two two to go, and we and there were so many Capitals fans there, and, we, and they're and they're you know they're chanting "Let's go Caps" in the in the you know in the lower lower bowl and and on the way out. And they caught a few fans on the way out, and um, uh, just to kind of see the emotional release. These you know, these were either transplanted, transplanted Washingtonians or just people who fell in love with the Caps during the Rock the Red era. Yeah. But just you could just see like they all had like they're they're crying and they're just like we're gonna win it all now, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a cool moment. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Joby said that too. A couple. We had Joby on what? Oh yeah. And- he said the same thing uh, that game seven was like, that's where he knew that this team was not going to lose. Actually, well, he said after the Kuzi goal, but then he, when we rolled through Tampa, he was like, yep, this cup's ours. Did Joe B tell you the story about the, the insanely expensive bottle of wine in Tampa? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a bunch of us went out for dinner uh, to the, the finest steakhouse in Tampa. It's called Burns. It's, it's an experience. It's ridiculously expensive. It's hard to get into. Um, uh, they have a, a wine list that's like 200 pages long and a wine cellar that 
is probably, I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many square feet, but it's the biggest wine cellar I've ever seen. I think it's the biggest wine cellar in America or Florida, I forget. Anyway, so uh, Joe B's there, and Joe, Joe is a wine connoisseur, and he does not go cheap. And so he ordered for the table a bottle of 1974 red, because of course that was the year the Capitals uh, right. you know, were born. I don't know what the price was, but it was north of 500. And the best part was we're all sitting there. None of us are wine guys. And so he's like, he's swirling it around. He's like, look at the legs coming down here. And we're all like, whatever, man. And so like, so we, we kill that bottle real quick, like probably before even dinner came. And then he ordered another one that was like one twentieth the price. And he was like, which one did you like better? I was like, it tasted the same. He was just like. <laughs> it both tastes like red wine. <laughs> That's funny. He's, I can see him like swirling it around the stand. Oh, he's like, look, he, he's like, he literally is getting up from his chair. And he's, you know, it's a probably table of like 10 of us. And Joe B is the best. I love him. He's walking around to like each of us. He's like, take a smell, take a smell. Look at the legs, how they're coming down. And we're all like. <laughs> He's so into wine. He's so into wine. I love. He's really into Joby, it. Really a big cool. wine guy. He's huh? one of the guys that'll pour like a, just a little bit because yeah, you're only supposed to pour a little bit in wine glasses. And then he's the guy swirling it, sniffing it. And you yeah. guys are all just taking it like shooters, just like bang. We just beat the bulk. We just beat the bulk. Oh. I have no culture, man. I'm just like pour it, fill it up. <laughs> yeah, that's because like, awesome. he mentioned something with. Uh, I think he said he was with you and Carlin uh, at Game Five in Vegas. But um, yeah, he had he had some fun stories about partying and whatnot afterward. And he, oh, yeah. he, he wasn't drunk in the Vrana video, so the Vrana video. Oh yeah, he was when they're at dinner. Yeah. Oh, that whole Vegas thing got out of control, man. The, the night they won it was one of the crazier nights I've ever been a part of. I mean, I've I was had about to say, were you guys nights. out partying with him at the club and everything? By accident. By accident. We're sitting there <laughs> in a, in the lobby at like I don't know midnight or so. And you probably saw my video on Twitter. I, I'm sitting there with the NBC Sports Washington crew. Of course, I was working for them at the time. And fans in the bar are buying us drinks. You know, there's like, hey, nice. send some drinks over to that table. Over there. So we're like, yeah. So we have like more drinks on the table than we can deal with. <laughs> and then so we're in the MGM and we're trying to plot out what we're doing. Who's hungry? Who wants to get, what do you want to eat? I don't know. Uh, I kind of just want to drink. Um, and then we kind of hear like this, this like roar where I'm like, what is going on on the floor over there? Is there like trouble? So we're all like kind of craning our neck or looking around, but I didn't really care that much. And then it's really loud and I'm like, oh my God. And so I go, hey, look, it's Ovi. And he's walking through the MGM with the cup, with Verona, with Burakoski. And so I grabbed the camera. Actually, no, my camera guy grabbed my phone. And say, just put it on. Give me your, give me your, 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 your punch code. I give it to him. He jumps up, and this uh, Greg um, Abernathy's his name. He's still at NBC Sports Washington. He jumps in front of Ovi, and you know, it's just like he's you know filming the whole like him lifting. And so there's Vegas fans who are who are, who are you know saying, hey, congratulations. And uh, by that point, we had had a few drinks, and uh, I tweeted out the video. And the next day, I know I'm in the club, and I'm like, how did I, how did I end up in here? I don't. <laughs> I just followed Alan May and Rob Carlin, and now we're in the club. And it was fun. I mean, it was a good time, man. It was um, DJ Tiesto, I think, was the was yeah. the DJ. Yeah, I think that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a good time, man. Um, the next morning, <laughs> Rob and I had a flight at, like, 9 a.m. <laughs> back the next morning. And um, he's sitting, like, two rows in front of me. We hadn't slept. I mean, it was, we didn't leave. We went from there to somewhere else, somewhere else, somewhere else, packed our bags, you know, rolled out. 
And I just remember like somewhere over like Colorado, uh, Carlin just yells top of his lungs, hey, Tark, you still with us? I was like, I'm good. <laughs> like you could just see everyone was going, at least drunk idiots. <laughs> That's hilarious. When you talk about that, that probably is right when like, because we had PFT from Barcelona too. And he said he was walking like kind of near when Obi and them were all just like hammered, walking through the uh mgm just like chanting like we are champs and he said like the two girls wipe out they hit their heads on like slot machines they don't care everybody steps over and they're like yeah ob ob <laughs> i i definitely i definitely saw i yeah i i didn't see the two girls wipe out but um just people to get are drawn to that trophy man like oh, yeah. I, most people in in mgm playing cards they probably didn't really know what was going on they were just like it's kind of one of those Funny holy cup. shit moments. Is that, is that, you know, and they just started following him. And it's just, it just, before you knew it, there were like a hundred people. And then the doorman's like, he just like waves the players, you know, in. And then he kind of looks at the rest of us and we're like, you know, it's like, we Come on, man. <laughs> Do I look like a hockey player? Not exactly, but I swear I'm with the team. Yeah, it, it was, um, it was, it was something, man. Um, uh, and then I had to write a story the next day, and my head was pounding. And yeah, I was say, no shot. Life, I was, sport, yeah. life was sports writer. <laughs> no shot. I would made that nine a.m. flight. Yeah. Oh man, it was it was it was tight. It was tight. I mean, we we were we were you know with it enough to go. All right, you know, hey, that plane leaves in like two hours, right? Okay, how much packing you got to do? I'll just throw it all in my bag. Just you know, let's meet downstairs with you know an hour and thirty to go because you know McCarran Airport's right there. So yeah. It's a pretty quick, uh, pretty quick cab ride, um, but it, it's funny. All the Caps fans were there, and employees, and everyone. Everyone was like on flight, so like walking through the airport, going back, everyone's in a red jersey. <laughs> like it, was, it was almost like it was a home game. It was crazy. Yeah. Well, just thinking about it right now, like we were talking about the fans. Now we're talking about the celebrating with the Stanley Cup. Like I'm just thinking, it's going to be crazy. Whoever does actually win the cup, like skating around with the cup once they win it with no fans in there, like no excitement. Like that, that's going to be a crazy moment. It's going to be very strange. Um, I mean, the thing about when the Caps won it was they had so many fans that were in the building that night that even though the building mostly emptied out, there were still probably like 4,000 Caps fans in the building as, you know, Ovi's going around the rink like this, you know, and then, and then fans start chanting DSP, you know, and then they start chanting other things. It's just like, uh, I was surprised by how many, how much red was still there. I mean, I guess I didn't really pay attention to it at the start of the game, but it didn't, I mean, it didn't never felt like a home game, but like after they won the cup, I mean, there were still were, you know, like I said, a few thousand people there. Um, and then the family comes onto the ice and then you're trying to get interviews. It, it just right. uh, from there until like getting on that plane the next morning, which is like a blur. Well, yeah. to build off that too, I guess you don't really get a parade if you win. I mean, you can go to the no empty way. streets of DC yeah. or St. Louis or wherever the, yeah. hell the cup goes. There's no way like, we're there's no way we're going to see a parade for a, for a while, man. It it sucks, yeah. but there's there's no chance there, until there's a vaccine or a cure or or something before. I mean, you remember the 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 parade and how um, there were. Well, I mean, I don't. The, the mall was completely filled. Like you just, oh yeah, uh, you I can't can. do that kind of stuff. Worst sunburn of my life. Right. Yep. I was on a bus. I was on a bus that day on the rooftop throwing beads to people. Uh, I was on a bus with Lars Eller, Madison Bowie, and Braden Holpe, and Matt Niskanen and their family. And because uh, they put a few media members on every bus to kind of just, you know, do some social stuff and whatever else. 
Um, yeah, that, that was a wild day too. Wild. Yeah, it was a good day. So last question that I have for you is, do you personally think that this year's champion will have an asterisk next to their, that quote unquote asterisk that everybody's throwing around? Cause like, to me, it seems like no, cause you have to do the play in where we know is five games and, and we also know, I believe that they said the conference finals and Stanley Cup will be best of seven, but they're still up near on round one and two. So if those aren't seven games, or if they are seven games, that's a full playoff to me. I mean, you played most of the season, right? The Capitals got to sixty-nine games. Some teams have gotten to seventy. So you've gotten, you know, the overwhelming majority of the season have been played. I mean, do, do people say what do people say about Chicago? I mean, they want to they want a season, right? Wasn't like one of those seasons like 48 games or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, do, do people put an asterisk next to them? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, and in some ways, guys, I I think I think this might be a harder <laughs> this might be a harder road. I mean, especially if they do find it, figure out a way to make it, you know, seven seven seven, you know, four sevens, or right. even a five in the three sevens, just because of the play-in, just because of the layoff, just because you know. Um, uh, you know, the Capitals were a healthy team that was in first place. And, you know, I, I think that if you win it, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't think anyone out there going, man, this is, I, don't, I don't want to win it this year because it's just going to be known as the COVID Cup. I right. think people want to win it because this is this was a world-changing event. And you'll always be able to say, hey, guys, remember when we were younger and we had that year where the year got cut in half and, like, it was just complete chaos? We came back and we won the cup. I think there'd be a greater sense of accomplishment. I think at least internally, and I hope fans don't put an asterisk next to it because, you know, this wasn't the players holding out for more money or the owners locking the doors because they didn't like the revenue split or this was, you know, something no one could control. And it's something unprecedented that we, no one, no one knew was going to happen. I, I, I think I really, I mean, if I'm on the winning team, um, you know, I, I savor it just like any other Stanley Cup championship. championship. I'll say this. The Flyer, if the Flyers don't win the Stanley Cup, and actually this might go for most of the teams, then the Flyers fans are definitely going to be like, nope, asterisk, if they don't win the Stanley Cup. They were Flyer, yeah, because they were so hot at the end. Yeah. That, that we, are, we have a couple of buddies of ours, and they said, nope, don't even want to play anymore. They're crazy. <laughs> just you know I said that. They're crazy. Yep. KP, anything else? Um, I guess let me ask you this. Do you think we're going to make any major changes to the power play? I mean, I think 5-on-5 were pretty solid, but special teams is our biggest thing, and our power play was definitely struggling. That you told us not to worry about last time we talked. And I do not recall that. I do not recall that. <laughs> did I say it? Did it burn the tape? Um, you said, come March, <laughs> if it's still not working, then we worry. And it was March 15th, and it still wasn't working. <laughs> All right, so it's time to worry <laughs> nothing to see here but yeah i i you know i i do think we're gonna see some changes i mean uh, let's be honest you know uh you know blame Forsyth and the assistant coaches they've had a long time to reimagine this power play <laughs> i think i think that they're gonna have some things some tricks up their sleeve i mean i think some of it and i don't want to pin it on any one person but some of it was getting back to those tired legs man i thought john carlson just wasn't the same player there at the end and everything mm-hmm. kind of runs through him to a certain extent i mean um uh you know, I thought Kuznetsov looked a little banged up to me. Uh, you know, he wasn't he wasn't playing at the same at the same speed that he was before. Um, uh, you know, Backstrom looked a little tired. I mean, these are key guys. You know, and you know, power play minutes can be hard minutes. So, from an X's and O standpoint, I mean, they tried a whole bunch of stuff, man. They were moving Ovi all over the place. They were dropping Carlson down. They were having Ovi do that weird thing where he would loop out 
around the blue line and come back in. I mean, you know, I'm sure they've had a chance to analyze, analyze again, overanalyze. I, I, I don't think they're going to, you're not going to see a wholesale, wholesale changes to the, to the personnel. I, I think you're going to see maybe some more wrinkles. I mean, I, I think it was crystal clear to them by the end that the same old was not going to fix itself. Mm-hmm. Sure. AB, uh, any last questions? I was, well, I was just going to bounce off that. There is, I mean, we were throwing out so many ideas at, at when it came to March, we were just like, dude, just, just tell them they're not even on a power play and just let's see what happens. Like just, just random shit like that. But we, like, basically like I didn't, I never really caught on to that, that Carlson started slowing down and so did the power play. But that's a, that's a really good point that you bring up there that cause he, the tired legs and like that Roman Yossi was kind of catching up to him in that Calder race towards the end there. Yeah. He got into like what, 74 or 60 and six, uh, 75 points and 65 points. Um, you know, I, I, getting so speaking of the Norris, I think um, you know, just in a kind of straw poll of my uh, my media brethren, it's gonna be tight, man. Yeah. I don't think it should be tight, but I think it's gonna be tight. It's gonna be those two, yeah, and it's gonna be screwed it's over gonna be, again. It's yeah, gonna be close, dude. man. That's what I was telling Kyle the other day, I was yeah. like, dude, it's gonna be a lot closer than you think. I mean, yeah, I, I I think Carlson wins it because of the historic nature of his season, and I yeah. think there are enough people who aren't going to dig into the analytics and look at, you know, the numbers that closely. You're just going to see 75 points that, you know, he was on pace for, you know, close to a hundred, you know, he was going to break the franchise record. I think he gets it, but I don't think it's going to be, it's not going to be like by a lot. So squeaking it out. Yeah. I mean, you know, and getting back to the power play for, for one last thought. I mean, you know, I, I think that, you know, Kuznetsov wasn't, performing like I said at, at, at the level that he normally does either remember for a while there he'd been replaced on the first unit by Verona because they were losing board battle he, he was losing board battles and losing control down low so you know and injuries have been a problem pretty much throughout the season so hopefully they've used this time you know and, and we'll uh, have some new wrinkles and have yeah. it going Sure. So here's what we'll end it on. As always, we appreciate your time. It's always fun chatting with you. Of course. And so Kyle tweets today that Obi's going to score six goals in the round robin play. If I had to set it at over under five and a half, what are you thinking? Does he jump out just firing or is it going to take him a couple to get going? I'm going to go under. Because uh, remember, they're playing the best okay, teams. Kyle. I mean, you're playing Rask and Vasilevsky and – Kind of hot. I think six might be high. I, I'll, go, I'll go three. I'll just say over under should have been two and a half, and then still that's still such an only three games is, are being mm-hmm. played, right? Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this: if if um, he was still able to get to fifty goals, he would have come out firing. <laughs> well, I, I saw you say him. this. Uh, I think it was yesterday um, <clears throat> in a comment section. You said something about him getting that new dad strength. So I'm just saying, if he has that new dad <laughs> strength, he can do it. Six is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he thought he was going to get the 60 this year. Yeah, Kyle, our preseason for a while, show. For a while, he was 60. on pace, Kyle. I tell him they were on pace for a while. Uh, love it. But like we said, Tark, appreciate you coming on once hockey gets going in a month or so in mid July. Once we get started and we know our matchup and this, that, and the other, we'll get you back and we'll kind of dissect. Anytime, that, guys. But we appreciate it, guys. Go follow him, Tark Elbashir, The Athletic, Twitter, subscribe, read it all. But thanks again, man. All right, guys. Have a good night. All right, thanks again to Tarek Elbashir for coming on. I mean, always a good conversation with him. We all had some questions for him, and it, it helped to explain a lot to me because I thought, like I said at the beginning, I thought I knew what was going on, but maybe I clearly didn't. Kyle, what did you take from that the most? 
Um, just like the positive feeling that hockey's coming back. Just like him, him saying the steps are going through. He feels like they're really uh, moving towards the ultimate goal that the players and the owners want want this to happen. So just a positive feeling that hockey's hockey's going to happen is what he made me feel. Maybe. Yeah, to bounce off that, like it's nice. Basically, what he said was they're not sitting around and like waiting for shit to happen. They're not sitting around being like, Oh yeah, we might be able to get to that. Like within a week, they're like, all right, this is the next step. Let's start now. All right. We have a conference like tomorrow. Let's talk about, or let's, let's have a GM meeting tomorrow or whatever an owner's meeting. They're getting shit rolling and they're being very public about it, which I think is great. Um, I I haven't heard much about the NBA. I mean, I've heard rumblings of random shit that they're doing. I mean, the MLB stuff is very public as well, and that just sounds like a disaster. Well, that's just yeah, they're way off. This. Yeah, and they oh. haven't even they didn't. It's not like they're halfway through a season. They haven't even started a season. They're trying to get players to give off all their money. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I mean, Tark pretty much gave us a date almost as well. That training yeah, camp might start. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he said July 10th looks like it's gonna. It's no. It's not before July 10th, which he said in the interview usually means that's the start july 10th is the day we start right so yeah like you said like he he's he he let us know that they're rolling they're they're getting the ball rolling like as quickly as possible and he like billman said he he does break it down pretty well for us i mean i kind of understood the format already i got i understood what was happening um i did like his his breakdown of who he would have liked to see and who he would not like to see Mm-hmm. Um, as we kind of did, we did the matchup thing for a little bit there. And, um, I a hundred percent agree with him on the Islanders. I mean, their, their roster doesn't scare me, but trots does know every inch of this fucking team. So he was going to come into effect huge in this too. He can pick apart. Yeah. He can pick apart our matchups basically. Um, I mean, let's yeah. get into those matchups a little more. Cause like you said, we touched on it with Tarek, but looking at it from our perspective, it's, we don't know what the complete deal is yet because they're saying right now, like the one seed's going to play the winner of <clears throat> Toronto, Columbus. Four seed plays the winner of Pittsburgh, Montreal. So on, so on. But we don't know if they're going to reseed or not. So let's pretend that one through four plays the winner of each of these qualifying rounds. I mean, KP, let's start with you. Ideally, what seed do you want the Caps to get? Who do you want them to play in the first round? Who do you not want them to play? And I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, really, wherever it just I, at this, I'm just is what it is because each matchup you can you can draw something out that this team has this like the Carey Price thing. Uh, Pittsburgh has our number. I mean, the Rangers they could get hot. I mean, any any team. I mean, in this NHL caliber, I think could get hot. So I don't I don't even know if I have a preference of where they end up. I just hope they uh, get hot in that round robin, like get some chemistry going and they don't play it like a tournament style and they start to get a more playoff feel. Maybe. Um, so I, I keep flip-flopping though. I, there's one series that I really have no interest in at all, which Tari kind of says he's not worried about this matchup at all, but I, I don't know, for some reason, the Toronto versus Columbus matchup, whoever comes out of that, People like I'm sleeping on Toronto, I think. Yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous for both those teams. I mean, Toronto has 
like, yeah, they're, they have an all-star lineup. The last time we played them in the playoffs, they didn't have John Tavares. Now they do. And that's even scarier. They have a, a better Morgan Riley. They have Jake Muzzin. Uh, they have Tyson Berry on the back end. I mean, if they can figure it out, which I know during the regular season, they really couldn't figure it out. But if they do figure it out, they're a scary fucking team. I mean, Frederick Anderson's no joke as a goaltender. And then Columbus. I mean, I mean, I know we, we beat them in the playoffs during our cup run, but they just – they match up well. I don't know what it is. They just come and they play That's hard. Coach. It's That's a Tortorella team. Coaching. It's a Tortorella team that gets his players to like, especially these group. This group of not really any superstars. I guess their superstar is Seth Jones, who is right. coming into his own as a top five defenseman. But he he they they rely on a whole team at uh, yeah. in in Columbus, and that kind of scares me. Um, yeah, that's the that's the matchup that scares me the most. I guess the matchup that I would like to see, if the team that I would like to see the most, I would say is, I mean, this is quite an obvious answer. Is I guess Montreal, if it's a seven game series, um, yeah, Montreal or Florida. I mean, those are two very actually Montreal or the Rangers. I mean, those are two of the most. Obvious I don't know though, because I mean. I look at that Rangers Carolina series. I don't want either. If Carolina wins, it's because they should have won, and it's Carolina. And if we're there, it's the same thing with fucking Carolina again. It's a brawl. It's we got to deal with their shit. If New York wins that, the reason they're winning that series is because Panarin's lighting it up. Zibanejad's lighting it up. Boom, either Lundqvist or whoever is tearing it up. Do you want to see Panarin and Zibanejad and all that shit in the first round? Not really. Remember it, when Col- he played for Columbus and took over that series the first couple games? <sighs> It's just like, yeah, he yeah he tucked that OT winner on. It's like I don't want to see yeah. the the potential MVP in a playoff series. And same goes with Pittsburgh and Montreal. Tarkman is it? If we play Pittsburgh in the first round, it's emotional. It's physically draining. It fucking takes it out of you. But if we play the Canadians in the first round, the reason we're playing the Canadians is because Carey Price just stole a series from Pittsburgh. Which means if we're in a five game series in round one, I'm kind of sketched out. Like Tark says, if you lose game one in a five-game series, you're kind of your tight butthole. Yeah, has I, that been decided yet? If uh, the not yet, actual round is going to be five or seven. Not yet. They're still looking at first and second round. All they've said is five-round qualifier, our best five qualifier, and then best of seven conference and Stanley Cup final. But if it's seven games, that's fine. Like our skill will beat our skill will beat Montreal in seven games easily. Columbus, I don't know. Tough I team that last year with the Canes. Yeah. I did, but the Canes have skill. I don't. There's not much skill on that. Montreal. There's not like a Svechnikov or, you know, there's not players like that on that Montreal lineup. Svechnikov. Yeah, like Ross Brod, Toivo, Teravainen. Justin Leo's like, back in the lineup. Like they have a good lineup. Montreal yeah. has Brennan Gallagher, and that's about it. Max Domi. Like who, Domi. Max Domi's not going to beat us in a playoff Fucking series. Domi. So. <laughs> love Domi, but it's, Domi's all right. I mean, he's not—he's nothing special. I mean, he's, he's just gonna, cool. He's would, fun to watch. I would take those three that we listed on Carolina over Domi any day. One hundred percent. So that kind of takes play Philly. Well, we all play Philly in the first round, luckily. But so that kind of takes me into either one of the two seed to play the winner of the Islanders and Panthers, which I'm kind of looking like I want to take it because if even if the Islanders do win that, it's Barry Trotz. Yes, he can exploit us. Yes, he can do this, that, and the other. But then again, it's Where's the skill on that Islanders team that could potentially beat the Caps in a best of seven? 
Whereas who's, Toronto, who's a lot of skill. Their goalie, they they have another tan. They they're doing another tandem, I think. There, right? And uh, with the Islanders, Varlamov, who had a career That's year. Farley. Oh and, my God, Ovechkin would rip him. And Thomas Grice. <laughs> uh, dude, they have Mitch Corn. They have Mitch Corn. So Varlamov, Varlamov went to the Isle this year and had his best season of his career. That's that all goalies do under Mitch Corn. Exactly. Like it's. That's true. He, he's gonna like they're that the Islanders team is set to be a defensive team, and you're the only way we're gonna win is if we beat them like two to one or three to two. I mean, Phoenix Copley said it. I mean, the interview's coming in a couple of weeks, but he said that's the best goalie coach on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And as as far as skill comes, uh, Barzell is fucking nasty. Um, they have a guy, they have a solid defensive unit. I mean, no no studs, but that kid Taze who scored on us. I mean. Yeah, he pissed off the Caps just enough to to make a huge comeback for the Caps. But, like, he, he had a great career year that no one even knew who he was. His name is Devin Taze. No one knew who he was. And now this year he made a name for himself. Got that uh, confidence. Anders Lee is pretty fucking good. Um, but, yeah, I guess that's that's about it as far as names go for that, what, from what I can think of off the top of my head. But this is all on paper, man. We have no idea how these guys are going to show or how these games are going to go. Definitely without fans. I mean, I disagree. I think you know exactly what game Barzal's coming up with. It's fucking speed. Yeah. True. Oh yeah, True. yeah, yeah. He's one of the fastest players in the league. He's he's he. The kid flies on the ice with the puck on his stick. And I don't think this is gonna. I don't think the no fans thing. People have made a fucking big deal about this. I don't think it's gonna affect the players as much as we think it will. I don't think so either. I don't think it affects hockey as as much as any other sport no i don't think it's going to affect play that big of an issue uh on hockey. these teams on these games but and that's what a lot of people are saying the fans the fans how are teams going to get up without the fans are they going to do this now they're fucking dialed in they're going to buzz they're going to play their game i think once it's that qualifying gonna take round, a couple games yeah once that qualifying round's over and the playoffs feel like they're starting starting like once that qualifying round's over and once the round robin's over it's fucking round one of the Stanley Cup playoffs yeah, once you once you play ready. a team like one or two times and then the third time you go at it and you already got some bad blood right half the time you're playing out of hate anyway you just hate the other fucking team and that's why you're trying to beat the shit out of them for sure like you're not playing because oh man do you hear this crowd well you are a little bit but i don't think it affects it as much as people think i think that, that sport and baseball are the two sports that are just not affected by like fans as much as we think they are right i mean i hope they do some cool shit like micing up players some cool video angles like fuck with it a little bit give us some new shit since fans aren't going to be in there i agree yeah I, I, the whole mic every player up and put it on pay-per-view I, I would not, not every player dump, no if you mic them up and put it on pay-per-view i'm dumping money into it i'm watching every well, second yeah. of it every game the pll so, did it and it was fucking awesome also to um back to the whole fans thing uh, I'm pretty sure the road team had a winning record last year in the playoffs. Makes sense. It was, it was something. It was something ridiculous like that. Like the road teams were doing better than the home teams, and right. And it was like the first time in forever that had. And I was like, that. I think it because the home team half the time has more pressure to win in front of their fans. Right. I, agree. I mean, I it's agree. totally thrown out the window this time. It's going to be total neutral. So I agree. We get to see if that has any effect. Yep. Yeah, it's literally just color of the jersey. So, KP, real quick, and then I'll ask AB you next. KP, what's the Caps record in the round robin play? 3-0. 3-0? 3 six goals. <laughs> All right, AB. Um, I don't I can't. Can we all just – I'm, I'm going 2-1. Go I say 2-1. Yeah, I was going to say 2-1. I think we beat Tampa. Um, 
Three and overs Tampa this year. I think we beat the Bruins, and I think we lose the Flyers. No, I think we beat Philly. I I just we're probably going to go to a shootout. No, yeah, I just hope we beat those fucks. <laughs> so that's all I really have. AB, do you want to catch us up? Are you still playing your uh, your your uh, Stanley Cup there? I am. We got Game Five coming up. Um, we are at a two-two series here. Um, Calgary going, going back to Washington. Yes, uh, we're nice. Washington up two uh, two nothing in the series. Uh, two wins at home. Uh, pretty def- two defensive battles uh, with Evan Fitzpatrick as uh, the starting goalie. Um, wow. He, yeah, it, we won the first game 2 nothing. second game 4-1. Uh, game three, Evan Fitzpatrick, pretty bad game from him. Uh, lose 5-4 in overtime. Uh, yanked him real quick, started hoping the next game, and he puts up a fucking stinker, dude. He sucks. Mm. We lost 7-2. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other team had 13 shots on goal seven of them went in i was like holpy what are you doing to me buddy that's what? terrible nhl 18 oh, choking holpy. nhl 18 holpy is the worst man so evan fitzpatrick gets to start game five and next week we will see if we have a stanley oh, cup on hand or not yet <laughs> kp anything to catch people up on uh no, just want to get back out blading. I mean, me and AB, we got to get out there blading, get some blade gang shit going. Throw some videos up on Chirpin DMV. We need to get some fans out there with us. We need to rip up some streets. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So we're about to end the interview, or we're about to end the episode here. Like I said, with "Here's to the Night," awesome '90s cover band, great band to drink and go out and see. Party, have a good night. Uh, enjoy the week, people. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the show, bars are open, man. Go to the bars, sit at a table, drink a beer, eat some tacos, tip your bartender real well. So that's all I got. I'm out of here, KPAB. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. Um, I'm going to go back to watching The Wire. Peace out, boys. All right, guys. We're now welcome on a bit of a different guest here. <laughs> We've got the number one mid-Atlantic 90s cover band. And we got Steve, the guitarist, here to join us. Guys, here's to the night, a 90s cover band. Steve, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for popping on, man. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Nothing. So like we said, I reached out, wanted to hit you guys up, get you on, because we're kind of doing these cool little end-of-the-show interviews. And right. we met you guys last summer at the Jetty. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely buckled. We were all right. buckled beyond belief, as you should be, at the Jetty. Right. Um, and you guys were playing, man, and just jamming and jamming. That's when we kind of like first started this last April. Mm-hmm. I think we saw you guys there in June, and we had koozies on us, like chirping DMV koozies, and we started tossing them up on the stage to you guys. And then we right. hit the breaks, talked to your singer a bit, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, talk for like five minutes, and then come out of break, and he just starts shouting us out on the mic. And we're like, oh, these guys are the best. <laughs> these nice. guys are awesome as shit. So welcome to the show, man. How, how's life been during quarantine, I guess? Cool, man. Yeah, uh, it's been un- uneventful. Um, we've been trying to stay busy a little bit. Um, we, uh, we've been doing – we did three live stream concerts um, awesome. Just to kind of stay busy, stay sharp, and just raise enough money to, you know, pay the uh, band expenses. Uh, but other than that, we're just kind of waiting, waiting for the dam to break like everybody else. Just be nice to get back out there, you know what I mean? For sure. So when and where was the last live show you guys did? We played um, Looney's South in Maple Lawn, Maryland, I guess, first week of March. Gotcha. You know, and then we had, we had a banger of a March lined up and all the St. Patrick's Day stuff and you know, and I work for, um, an, uh, 
a concert production company during the day. Uh, and we had all the production lined up for all the St. Patrick stuff. And then, so that going away, plus all the band stuff going away was, was brutal. Sure. And, but we're starting to see luckily, cause I went Friday night, mm. went to like three different bars, had right. a hell of a time, felt great to spend money and wake up the next morning and lose my wallet and phone and sunglasses. But, but even with bars opening now, we're still seeing the social distancing stuff. So when's the earliest that you guys think you can get back to a venue and play a live show again? Yeah, we've been asked to do a couple things. Um, me and our singer, Marty, we used to do some acoustic stuff. Um, but we're, uh, but with, we're trying to, you know, really focus on, on, on the full band thing. So we're not quite, you know, not, not desperate enough to do that yet, but we're trying to avoid getting back out there and doing that. So, you know, um, we really don't want to put it back out there until everything is fully on, you know, cause we're kind of, we're kind of, I mean, you guys kind of hung out with us and saw the gig and we're, mm-hmm. it's a, it's, we try and promote like, you know, just a full on party and kind of a spectacle. Yeah. And it's just, unfortunately the climate's not, not right for that. Yeah. You can't throw a party yeah. with 20 people. Right. That are just allowed to sit there and <clears throat> jam out to it. So you guys said you, I mean, you mentioned focusing on the full band. Tell us the story. I mean, how'd you guys meet? What's the story about how you became a band and all? Yeah, sure. Uh, we'd all been in, in, in bands before this, you know, cover bands, original bands. Um, and I met uh, the drummer, uh, Ruben, through, uh, through a mutual friend. And we just kind of hit it off. And the whole idea of this was to uh, just, you know, kind of play the nostalgic stuff that people listen to kind of on the way to the clubs. You know, not a lot of people were, were doing the 90s stuff. I know 80s bands were the biggest thing for a while and still are. Um, in, in, in some respects. So we were kind of ahead of the curve a little bit on that. When we first started, it was a lot of, a lot of B-side material and just fun stuff that was kind of selfish for us. And then we kind of had to hone the set list a little bit. And then uh, we plucked a singer from another band and uh, moved our singer over to bass. And, you know, kind of the rest is history. We've been, we've been fortunate enough to have the same, same lineup for the last eight years, I guess. So, so we're all pretty close friends. Our families hang. And so it's a, it's a, it's a cool vibe. So how did you guys uh, come up with the name? Uh, well, we had, uh, I mean, it's the name of that, uh, of that Eve Six song. Here's to the right. Night. right. Um, just something nostalgic, feel good. Um, something that you would, you know, associate with, you know, homecomings or your, you know, high school buddies, you know, kind of stuff like that. So, so you mentioned the nostalgic thing. I mean, you said you guys were all in bands before you all mm-hmm. play instruments. So you can play probably whatever the hell you want to play. You could probably play hard rock. You could play, country music if you wanted but like you mentioned mm-hmm. the nostalgia i mean 90s music is like when you're seeing a live band at bars like we mentioned the jetty and you're in a mm-hmm. party mood that shit's just party music <laughs> like why the exact decision to do 90s music and then how do you trim that set list down because if you look at your website you have like a 30 song set list <clears> but like and every song's a fucking banger right. <laughs> like how do you but there's still like 50 <laughs> more 90 songs you could play that are also bangers like yeah, that's true. I mean, I think the main thing with the 90s stuff and us trying to do that is <clears throat> it was such a simpler time for all of us and a lot less to worry about, a lot less responsibility. Um, and that's, that's kind of the, the vibe we're trying to promote. I mean, there's, there's enough wackiness going on out there. I mean, Christ, over the last 24 hours, things are ex- exploding even more. Yeah. Um, so so the, the thing that I'm most proud about with, with this band is we're able to tr- try and help recreate some of those some of those you know sensory sort of feelings like when you when you hear something you're like oh i remember where i was when i heard this this was you know i put this on a mix cd for you know my one of my girlfriends at the time and it's just it was a much simpler time period and that's uh 
and that's kind of what we're going for. There's enough other nonsense going going on, so we're just trying to trying to make it easy for people. Right. Um, so we talked a little bit about places you played. What's a favorite place for you yourself? Uh, your favorite place to play? Uh, the Jetty is a super cool place. I mean, it's a it's a small little dock bar. Um, we don't play a lot of places like that anymore, um, just based on the uh, on the capacity. But we've known right. Justin and the owner there for so many years, um, even dating back to previous bands. They've always been so accommodating to us and so cool. Um, they've given us some prime dates, and it's just always a party. It's it, it feels like a basement party when you're there. Everybody's just kind of crammed on that little uh, on that little right. deck, and it's yeah. just uh, it's it's a cool vibe for uh, for sure. I like playing there. Um, <clears throat> all the different loonies locations. You have loonies up in Harford County, um, Maple Lawn, Maryland, Perry Hall, uh, the Fillmore in, Sil- in Silver Spring, super cool place. We love playing there. Um, Fagers Island in Ocean City. That's yeah. another, that's another huge, huge party that comes to mind. We're usually there every 4th of July weekend, but that, that one's not looking so good currently. Yeah. So you mentioned like it being a different vibe. I'm assuming every place has a different vibe. I mean, you mentioned these smaller dock bars. Do you guys like prepare for a show or like execute a show differently when you're at say the jetty or like a dock bar in Ocean City compared to say like some concert hall in Silver Spring or Hartford or Columbia? Yeah, I think um, when we play Silver Spring, it's, it's, you know, most of the time with other, with other acts too. So we're doing, you know, a 50 minute or an hour set list. So we just make sure it's, you know, just bangerific and we're just, you know, going right from one to the other. Um, but you know, places like the jetty where we're doing, you know, three, one hour sets or whatever it may be. Um, you know, you can kind of draw it out a little bit. You can read the room, you know, when you got the, uh, the happy hour bikers there, you know, you can do it with, with their women, you can do all the mom jams and the first set and, and all that stuff. So, so kind of Um, going off songs, Mm. what's a song that you might hate to play, but like the people love it. But so it's like, all right, we got to play next song is every morning by sugar Ray. And you're like, fuck, I hate playing this song, but it's a banger and the people love it. Yeah. That's a, that's probably one. Um, another, (laughs) another one. It's funny because we have, we do a lot of pop songs, but it's just a bunch of, you know, ugly tattoo dudes playing them. So we kind of put our own spin on them and me and the drummer were hard rock guys, metal guys. So we kind of play the songs as if they were, you know, rock songs. Um, Oops, I did it again by Britney Spears crushes every, every single time. Um, we do a lot of the boy band stuff too. Um, our buddy, uh, Chris Kirkpatrick from NSYNC, he flies into town every now and then and hosts uh, shows with us. And nice. so, so he, and he, he'll get up there and sing a couple of the NSYNC tunes with us. And so that's, that's pretty cool. But yeah, all the boy band stuff and girl pop stuff just crushes. I mean, we even do uh, Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania right. Payne, and, you just, and people nice. just freak. You do like rap, like Tupac too, don't you? With like yeah, a little yep, yep, we do a lot kick. of that stuff. Yep, I mean, Christ, we do we do the, the Tupac to Britney to Metallica to Blink-182, you know what I mean? Just, you know, Panic at the Disco, you know, uh, Some 41, like all that stuff. We're starting to even throw some of the early 2000s stuff in too, just as, you know, everybody kind of gets a little bit older. And yes. similar to that question, what's probably your favorite song to play? Favorite song to play, um, either Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls or Fat Lip by Sum 41. Oh, shit. Definite yeah. bangers. <laughs> yeah, dude. KP? Um, so, I mean, I would love to hear like a, a Chirpin DMV 90s theme song. Get like a hockey <laughs> song with like a 90s vibe to it. Yeah, man. It could be like <laughs> our intro working, song before, uh, before we go on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah, our intro song oh, yeah. every episode now. We got Here's to the Night just banging Yeah, dude, absolutely. I mean, all them, uh, all them Caps dudes are party animals. We saw that uh, after, after we won the cup. So right. we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get uh, – I think there was a, there was a video on uh, 
on on one of the blogs where the where some of the boys were trying to sing and do things like that. And it's <laughs> Christ, they're such incredible athletes. Terrible. But that's right. their acting and their singing and their their uh more artistic and creative sides. It just does not translate. Now are are you or any of the guys in the band like big caps fans? Me, me and the singer Marty, huge uh huge hockey fans. Ruben our drummer, you know, he is he is too. We're uh you know, me and Marty are probably the biggest hockey nerds in the band. I mean, we just, you know, go, go to all the games, watch right. all the games, you know, just, you know, follow the boys on, on the social media. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big part of, uh, of, you know, of our households. Hockey season is the best because there's something to watch every other night, you know, Seriously. for sure. And it's, and it's the most fun sport to watch, period. It's, you know, it's nonstop action. So. So what's your take on the NHL coming back? Like we got this 2014 playoff. It's kind of a weird situation, but yeah, right. you're looking forward to it or what are your thoughts on it? I'm looking forward to any kind of uh, sports at this point. I, I think the NHL probably did the best they could and made the best decision they could make. I have a lot of feelings on, on, on this whole situation to begin with. And I'm just, I'm very frustrated about a lot of things, but I'm just trying to, it's nothing I can control. I'm glad hockey's coming back. Um, you know, I'm glad, you know, Obi, he won another Rocket Richard. That's great. Um, but just his 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 quest to uh, e- e- eclipse uh, Gretzky that it's this did not help. <laughs> no, and it killed another fifty goal season, and it screwed us over on catching Gretzky. Like we had twelve games left, and he's at forty eight. He could have easily got to fifty five or so. Yeah, but or you know, it could be argued that 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 this break you know uh, was less wear and tear on his body, and maybe he plays a little longer too. He's he's definitely changed his game. He's still out there crushing people, but he's uh he's more of a finesse player than, than he even used to be. I think he's, he's adapting and he's going for, for longevity here, which is, yeah. uh, which is cool. And with how shitty the Caps are playing right before all this ended, it's kind of a nice little reset for us. <laughs> hey, we, we had that lull the year we won the Cup, and I don't think Braden Holpe had a shutout the entire year. You know, and, and that That's turned right. out pretty good. It down here. <laughs> doesn't have a shutout until game six and seven of the Tampa series. Like, all right, we'll take it. <laughs> God, what a nerve-wracking series that was. Holy shit, yeah. You know? The craziest thing, too, is like the calmest series of that entire playoffs was the cup final. I felt sure, like that was other, the easiest yeah. one. Other than the with Las wrong. Vegas with all their pomp and circumstance before the games, that was the most exciting thing. I mean, it got on my nerves, and I'll never listen to Imagine Dragons again. Um <laughs> You'll but, never play uh, an Imagine Dragon song on your set list ever. Hell no, hell no, not not after that nonsense. So, but it was it was cool, and also you know good for Vegas too. I mean that not to you know talk about stuff that's a couple years old now, but that was uh, it was good for them, you know too. It was good for the city. It was good for hockey. You know you got some got got some mm-hmm. new new rivalries popping and. You know, some real pieces of garbage on their team for sure, too. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of jumping back to the band and some creativity. Do you guys make like your own songs? Will you get together and be like, let's make a Here's to the Night song itself? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen you have the one on iTunes. It's kind of a mm-hmm. rift in a little bit of this song right. and that song. But is, have you guys ever like created a song to your own that you guys play at shows or anything? Um, yeah, we, we've kind of kicked it around a little bit. We talked about just doing a five song EP and just hopping on with, cause we, we know enough, I mean, we have enough friends and promoters that, um, that they could, you know, w- when some national acts come to town, you know, they could, they could put us on the bill in front of them. Um, but just, we haven't, we haven't had to, and we've been so busy with the band and just personal stuff that there hasn't been a spare month or two to right. really buckle down and write and then get in the studio and, and we could do it, but it wouldn't it would be rushed and it wouldn't be the way that, you know, we like to handle things. Every time we make a social media post, have a show or post anything, it's, it's gotta be of a certain standard. So we wouldn't want to rush anything like original music for sure. 
And do you try to make all those songs kind of that 90s feel and theme to it? Or do you just kind of go with kind of whatever, like a rock song, whatever you guys see fit? Um, yeah, I mean, it, doing it, it's ironic. A song like Here's to the Night by Eve Six, that's, that's where we got our band name, but it doesn't really translate to the clubs. It's too slow. So we try and keep everything upbeat, um, you know, whether it's a rock song or a pop song. You know, people, people got to stay moving. You don't the worst thing in the world is when you're rolling through a set list and you get to a lull and people are like, you know, smoke break, let's go get a drink. Let's go to the bathroom. You want to, you want to keep people engaged the whole time. Um, so really regardless of the genre, we just got to make sure it moves, you know? Sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my last question I'm going to have is, can you give us like a, the craziest story or maybe even just the coolest story? Something happened that happened during like playing a set or after a show. Uh, let's see. I mean, there have been so many times where the, uh, the van and trailer broke down. We got we went to turn around, got stuck in someone's yard. I mean, stuff at Fagers Island and 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 girls and guys and drunken nonsense. But one of the one of the coolest and funniest uh, funniest. We've had a lot of fun times with Chris from NSYNC. Um, yeah, but uh, one time uh, Dennis Haskins, Mr. Belding from Saved by the Bell, he uh, okay. he hosted one of our shows at Maryland Live Casino. Um, so we brought him into town for that. He's one of Chris's buddies and he kind of hooked us up and, uh, and he was hilarious and he was doing all the save by the bell bits, um, sending us to the principal's office and shit was cool. Um, but we were playing gangsta's paradise and, uh, he came out on stage and rapped every single word. That's sick. <laughs> just people were freaking out. Just, you know, old, old guy, Mr. Belding on stage, just, just killing it with us. It was, it was pretty surreal and cool. That's and sick. You guys had a video of that? <laughs> uh, I think we do have some pictures somewhere. I'll have to shoot them to oh, you guys. It's, cool. pre it's, pretty, it's pretty dope. That's sick. So, I mean, we follow you, but where can our listeners that may not know of you, where can they follow you? Social media, website, all that good information. Yep, sure. Here's to the night.com. Uh, we are uh, on Instagram at HTTN90, Twitter at HTTN90. Uh, you can, you know, we have our email on the website. Um, you know, you can find me on Facebook and slide to my DMS and I'll send you all kind of nonsense. And so, so yeah, we're, uh, we're out there for sure. So, you know, come hang out once, uh, once the ship breaks open. Yeah. Once, once stuff gets open guys, go see them. Like I said, we saw you guys at the We had a jamming fucking time. You guys took the time. We chatted after the show. We chatted at one of the breaks. We exchanged, I think I exchanged contact info with your, your singer. Right. And, um, yeah, like I said, the first time we met you guys, you're shouting us out on the mic and shit. And we're like, these guys are awesome. And then, like I said, we had a jam in time. So but like I said, we follow you. We're looking forward to seeing you guys back out again here, hopefully soon. All right, we're appreciate it, fellas. This band is called Years to the Night. Hi. I don't like any of them. I don't All like them. Right? You're a 90s fan. You guys are going to love
booked this band. You know why? They got here tonight.